Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 Hello, this is Zack Sabre Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style with my mates. Enjoy. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your hosts Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here Joined by the young boy Josh Smith on today's show, we will be discussing the new beginning in USA, the road to new beginning, and the new beginning in Sapporo, as well as covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe to sign up to get all the podcasts and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. This episode of Keeping a Strong Style is brought to you by Powerslam.tv. Powerslam.tv is an independent streaming service with over 4,000 hours of independent pro wrestling from companies across the world. If you use the promo code Social Suplex, you'll get a free month of that service. Also, make sure to check out our official Pro Wrestling Tea store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. Right now, we have the official Social Suplex Podcast Network shirt, as well as the Keeping It Strong Style shirt. More shirts to come from your favorite Social Suplex shows. And one last plug here. Our friends over at One Nation Radio have started their Patreon. So if you go over and look up One Nation Radio on Patreon, they're going to be doing some exclusive uh, podcast content. Rich is going to be um, starting off doing a, a series on Goldberg, The Road to 173, covering um, you know all Goldberg's matches leading up to the streak. So go over there, give our man Rich a little taste, five <laughs> bucks to get some uh, great extra content from the One Nation Radio guys. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I, I think that it is a shameless money grab. I think that I am totally opposed to this. I think that our podcast is better for free right now, and I want to bury that man. <laughs> like you just did. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Rich was over here this weekend, and 
he started playing some of these. Uh, and it's funny because I know he's going to hear this and he's going to be like, what? <laughs> no, uh, he was over here this weekend and started playing some of these Goldberg matches for us. And we were like, I was just like blown away at some of these matches. Like, this happened? <laughs> yeah, dude. It, it's so crazy watching those, the very, those early Goldberg matches. Like, Yeah, there's like this whole series of matches in the beginning where like... If he was on the B show, they had him working heel. Like I did not even know that that was ever happening. Yeah, it was so weird. And this, this seeing like the development of his character, development of the spear. The spear yeah. did not look great in the beginning. Yeah, well, I think the spear always looked pretty good, but he would do this weird follow up where he would like basically get full mount and then rub his elbow over their head, and it's like, why are you doing that, dude? <laughs> A jackhammer them. <laughs> yeah, the first few matches didn't even have a name for the jackhammer. Like this uh, suplex into a power slam like maneuver. <laughs> but but like Rich loves Goldberg. Like anytime we're like, yo, what do you? We'll be chilling. We're like, what do you want to throw on? We'll throw. Some, he's like, let's watch some Goldberg. <laughs> so like when he told us that he had the idea for the road to one hundred seventy three and oh, I was like, I think that came organically because as we were watching, you know, these matches and seeing Goldberg just like. Pummel a bitch, you know? Suddenly, like, like Rich's initial reaction is just like, the road to 173 and <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Although, like, I, uh, I had mentioned something to Rich. I was like, how are you going to do this? Because there's, like, a bunch of matches that were, like, not taped. Or there's a bunch of matches where you wrestle the same guys. He's like, I'm just going to... He's like, they're short. I'm just going to go through them. I'm like, <laughs> and then I, I looked at his record because I, I, I knew he'd wrestled Jerry Flynn a bunch of times. So I was like, dude, I think he wrestled Jerry Flynn. Like, I, I looked it up. It was, like, something like almost 20 times. Like, so out of that 173-0, like, Jerry Flynn got beat, like, 20 times. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but, um, no, I'm, I'm excited for what they're going to be bringing to the table. Um, you guys know how we do it. I keep, uh, you know, with, uh, I was going to say keeping a strong sound. I was going to say one extra with a uh, social suplex. We bring you guys premium content and I think it's an awesome move that, you know, that Rich and James are starting to branch out. And the one thing I can guarantee you is like, Rich is an obsessed person, basically. Like when he gets an idea in his mind and what he wants to do, that's what he's going to do. And like, he's like. I'm already watching all this wrestling. Right. I might as well put it out there. Dude, you know, I had a college professor that always told me, find something you love to do and find somebody to pay you to do it. Yeah. And that's exactly what we've, we've been trying to do here. That's what we're trying to do, people. <laughs> <laughs> we love pro wrestling. We love talking about wrestling. We love writing about wrestling. So No, it's just, it is crazy, though, man. Like, I know we always, we do this thing where, like, it's like, we should have, like, a dream sequence on the show. Like, do, 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 do. Because I'm always like, remember one year ago when it all started? But no, like... One Nation Radio, and I'm putting them over heavy on this show because I, I buried them so bad at the beginning. <laughs> um, nah, like, you know, Rich and James have been going, like, six or seven years, you know, just plugging away. And, I mean, like, I can't even imagine that. Like, after one year of this, I'm like, wow, it's, like, this big part of my life. And, like, Rich and James have been doing – they've been podcasting before. Like, podcasting was, like, a popular yeah, I mean, thing. They've been on all kind of platforms, all kind of sites, all over the place. and And, and the honest truth is, like – Jeremy, as his own venture, had started Social Suplex. You know, it was totally different. There was no podcast. It was a totally different thing altogether. I don't know, you know, if you don't meet Rich and James, that 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 this podcast network ever happens. Right, yeah. It's all through uh, the power of Twitter, man. Yeah. So, so I mean, um, I'm excited to see what they bring to the table. I think the one thing that they've talked about, the one thing we've talked about is, you know, 
with them doing a Patreon, and if we were to ever, ever throwing out throwing out a little <laughs> bread throwing out a little breadcrumb there, if we were ever to do something like that, and I know they they feel the same way, like we're not gonna just do it just so we can have. I mean, we've been doing that. We could do this forever for free if we wanted to. It's right. no no big deal. But if we were gonna put quote unquote premium content out there, it's gonna actually be premium content. Right. And we're not gonna um, you know, basically ask you to join like join this for this price you get this and for this price you get this and for this price you get nah man. We're gonna give you premium content. It's gonna be fair. This is what it is. And I think that's what Rich and James are looking to do. So I'm I'm excited for what they got going on. Yeah man, it's gonna be great stuff. Do we want to publicly acknowledge the the big you know the big show that just popped up on our network what the the new show yeah uh all things elite all things elite so we've uh brought on uh jordan fox and floyd johnson jr um they do another show called indie wrestling radio um jordan has been a part of social suplex um in the past writing some columns and um, you know Jordan's a buddy of ours. Um, and Jordan, so- Jordan is the Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> Jordan is the Jeff. Yeah. Speaking of Jeff Jarrett, <laughs> Jordan uh, is the Jeff Jarrett of Social Suplex. You know, uh, young boy, you had the great idea. Of, like, man, we really need to have a all elite wrestling show here on the network. And we were kind of racking our brain on like who we can ask. We didn't just want to ask any like Tom, Dick, and Harry to come on the network and do throw together a show. We wanted somebody. Um, people who can be passionate about it and do a great job and honestly the first two people I thought about uh, were Floyd and Jordan Uh, both those guys love pro wrestling they are passionate about um, alternates alternatives to WWE Um, and they have great chemistry they did a great show uh, Indie Wrestling Radio also I listened to Floyd's show Around the Ring Um, and I really like how Floyd sounds I like how Jordan sounds and I thought those guys were the perfect guys to bring on the team to do this show yeah the um it, it's kind of crazy. So a few, I don't know if you guys remember, but a few months back on the, you know, on this show and on some of our other uh, shows that we do, you know, we started talking, we want, we were looking to expand. And so we started talking about like putting it out there. We were putting it out there in the universe, like the secret, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if you, if you want to get involved, you know, hit us up. And we did add a couple of new shows, which we're, you know, very happy with and proud of. But dude, we start like our inboxes were freaking flooded like every single like per like i didn't even know that this that many people listen to all of our shows yeah <laughs> and it got to the point where we're like dude like so many people want to join the network which was kind of like crazy but then it also was something where it was like well what it what are you bringing to the table because you know we can't have five wwe review channels <laughs> <You're> right <laughs> like, yeah you know so we were looking for something that was kind of different and so i knew that we needed somebody to cover you know, being the elite, all thing, you know, AEW with everything that's going on. And I knew that I didn't want this show. And I felt like the natural progression was if anyone was going to cover it, it would uh, most likely be our show to some degree. And I, and, and you know what? And I imagine with the popularity of the brand, if it does take off the way it's supposed to, I'm sure some of our other shows like, Keeping us or like uh, One Nation Radio, Radio, Ricky and Clive. Ricky and Clive. I'm sure Outsiders Edge. I'm sure they're all going to talk about it because you know those shows are not dedicated to just one particular brand of wrestling or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, especially with like One Nation Radio kind of being like our flagship, essentially. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. Wa- our show is not that. Our show is a New Japan. We are solely dedicated to New Japan Pro Wrestling. 
the other wrestling we talk about outside of it are things that we seem to find relevant to have like little tentacles going into mm-hmm. New Japan. So I didn't want us to become, and we had questions like right off the bat. Remember, we had fans that were like, "Are you guys going to cover it?" No, and that's when I knew I was like, "We have to have somebody covering this." And uh, you know, we started. We just asked ourselves like. When you need to go to war, <laughs> who do you look to? You look to your brother. <laughs> you look to your brothers. You look to the clique. Uh, but uh, but no. But Jordan Jordan's been with us for a long time, even though he does, he hasn't been hosting a podcast. I mean, uh, Jordan will. I think on his first episode, he came out and said it, and it's it's always funny because Jordan's always like, "They gave me my first job in the wrestling industry," and I'm like. Yeah, but we weren't paying you anything, and like, yeah. th- like this man has parlayed him writing his little gimmicks of writing, you know, articles for us into a full fledged like yeah, actual. He's wrestling actually career. now a commentator for two indie wrestling promotions um, in his area. He's actually trained to be a wrestler, also. Um, so yeah, he's like he's in the industry. Yeah, and we we hung out with him, and we stayed with him and Floyd uh, during um, All In Weekend. And I remember just telling him, like, bro, you are the Jeff Jarrett. You took literally, like, a job writing columns for us and literally through that parlayed it yeah. into, like... I wrote, getting, I wrote him a letter of recommendation talking about the great job he did at Social Suplex. And he, the next he, thing you know... He got these promoters out here, like, like bending over backwards to, like, bring him in, like... And little did they know, like, to start out back then, like, he had, like, just a, a, a few columns with us. And then suddenly, like... But he's got the goods. I mean, he's running his daily podcast. He's got the podcast he does with Floyd. He's doing all these commentating roles. He's training, training to be a wrestler. Yeah. So he, his passion is like legit. And um, Floyd, great guy, who is like if nothing but a Cody Mark. Like, <laughs> yes, he loves. Cody. He says, "Where Cody goes, he will go." <laughs> that's a direct quote. That's why I kind of. That's why, like, when we we're t- discussing like the short list of people we'd like to have host it like those are the guys we're like it would be we were we were not sure if they were gonna do it yeah because i mean they're already you know doing their own shows on different networks and kind of committed to other stuff i don't know if they're even gonna hear this i don't know they probably don't even know this whole side of it like we were like do you think do you think we could get like jordan (laughs) (laughs) you think they would do it and you're like i don't know man and i was like just just see just check in with them (laughs) and then like as soon as like we tell him like, hey, do you want to do a podcast dedicated to like what's probably gonna be the hottest wrestling brand in re- in wrestling? Absolutely, Imme- yes, yes, immediate, yes, like yes, I want to do it. Like there was no like, let's think about it. No, like when can we start? Like what do you want? Like when are we dropping the show? Like you know what can it be? Like, what's the format? Blah, blah blah. Like so, and the, yeah, they dropped their first episode this past weekend. I thought the show was excellent. I won't put over a show as being excellent. I'll tell you, listen to it. Like, I, but I won't come on the air and say like, "Oh, hey, it was good." I I listened to a portion of it over the weekend. I finished it at work. I thought it was really good. Um, I know that there's probably going to be a bunch of other uh, all elite wrestling shows popping up. Yeah, I've I've seen a few already pop up. Yeah, and I'm but the the thing with Jordan and Floyd, they're very similar to us. They're good friends in real life. They have a lot of chemistry, a lot of passion for what they're doing. I thought that the first episode was great. They've got a lot of content to cover in the coming weeks. So if you guys are listening to this show, I know not all of you like the Elite. There's probably some people being like, why are they talking about the Elite? Like, yeah. Talk about New Japan. Well, for those of you who feel that way, you will probably hear a lot less about the Elite on this show going forward. 
Uh, but with that being said, we have a whole new show dedicated to it. Right. So give them a listen. Every Saturday, um, all things elite will be dropping here on the network. Keep listening to us, though, because we're still really good. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's enough for the shameless plugs. Let's uh, let's move on to the ace of podcasts. Yeah, so let's jump into things. Um, the Kind of the hottest topic we need to cover first is the dilemma with the new beginning in USA shows. They should have given full (laughs) refunds. They are the scum of the earth. They're out here false advertising. New Japan is done in the U.S. They are (laughs) done. That's it for them. All right, let me uh, (laughs) read this statement here from uh, New Japan on their website regarding the new beginning in USA. They say it is a great disappointment that we must announce that due to the ongoing 2018-2019 United States federal government shutdown, we are unable to obtain visas for our Japanese talent who are looking forward to seeing our U.S. uh, fans at the new beginning in USA. We are excited still to be able to share a great lineup with our U.S. fans regardless of visa issues. The IWGP U.S. champion Juice Robinson is defending his title against Beretta. And the great Okarn, who is flying in from England, will be debuting in New Japan. What's more, the show will highlight the talent and potential of our young lions who have been working hard in the NJPW LA Dojo. We are looking forward to being able to celebrate the abilities of the exciting new generation of young NJPW wrestlers. Dated January 24th, 2019. Yeah. So, there's a lot to unpack here, and there are people blowing us up on Twitter, kind of wanting to get our feedback, yeah, asking, you know, you know, what do you guys think about this uh, new beginning in USA? I was like, guys, we're going to cover this first thing on the show and give our full opinions here. It's a lot easier to flush it out on the air than um, shooting some tweets off. So... You know what I would do? What? If I was running the Twitter, I would come up with two personas for myself. I would come up with a persona for me. And then I would work. Uh, I would work a gimmicked persona for you, and I would like bury you. And I'd, I'd give people bad answers all the time, and I'd be like, "This is Jeremy signed Donovan. Jeremy. This is, this is Jeremy Donovan." Uh, and then I would, and then I'd publicly reprimand you and be like, "Guys, you gotta forgive Jeremy. He doesn't know what he's talking about." Blah blah. I just put myself Josh. over. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you should actually do that because if you did, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I'm not on our Twitter. Obviously, I don't know what's going on. That's what I would do, though. Yeah. You should think about it. I'll think about it. <laughs> so, you know, big dilemma here with New Beginning in USA. You know, these shows have been announced for a while now. Um, you know, people... They sold out quick. Yeah, people who bought these tickets, um, they were assuming that they were going to get some kind of New Japan experience with Japanese talent featured on the shows. Um, and, you know, there's, there's the blame game going all around here, you know... Um, a lot of people are wondering, you know, well, you know, why did New Japan, you know, get the visa situation figured out earlier? According to reports, um, they filed for visas in November, um, only a few months before these shows. But as I see it, man, New Japan's been coming. They've been sending talent over to the U.S. for a while now. I think they know how long it normally takes to, you know obtain visas and you know obviously they couldn't predict a government shutdown so i would assume they that that was probably a normal time period for them to get the visas but i don't know i mean i know who's at fault here it's the alt right (laughs) they caused the government it's them radical left wingers that's who caused it. it it 
Nah, I, you know what? I'm so far removed from... Po- I told you what politics is. Yeah. It's a work. It's funny, uh, Muzzle on Twitter was like, are you guys going to talk politics on the show? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, because if we start talking politics, I'm going to be like... I'm going to start talking about, like, drone strikes. <laughs> I'm going to start talking about, like, federal... Conspiracy theories. The, like. Not even really so much conspiracy theories as much as just actual truths of the reality of our, like, existence and how, like... Facing like they like to say like shades of gray, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's shades of gray, and we're like, nah, it's faces and heels. <laughs> yeah, that's what politics is: it's faces <laughs> and heels. It's a role. It's a work. And yeah, I, I think that I th- I really do think it is though, for real. Um, I don't know enough to discuss. You know, the government shutdown. Obviously, our government has been shut down for it's the longest government shutdown in history. Yeah, uh, friends of mine who worked for like the IRS and things like that were loving it. Have lots of days off, but I think people who work like TSA and stuff like that, like not getting paid, it's not cool for them. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's an unfortunate thing, but uh, evidently it did affect what's going on with these cards. I think we should kind of give a rundown of like kind of the timeline, like what was what was happening. So, I mean, you know, just kind of give you guys a rough timeline, what we know, what happened. So New Japan announces these cards. Well, announced the show. They announced. They didn't oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I apologize. I don't want to misspeak <laughs> yeah. here. I don't want to say the wrong thing because this is such a touchy subject yeah. for a lot of people. But yeah, so they announced these shows. What last year? Yeah. Uh, the t- end, end of last year. End of last year. The tickets went on sale. They were from what we knew at the time. What they basically talked about because when when the cards were announced, we were like, should we go to Charlotte? <laughs> <laughs> we were like, I mean, maybe. But then the reports started coming out at the time that this was going to only feature superstar or superstars, uh, wrestlers from the Japanese side who were not going to be prominently featured as part of the new beginning in Osaka or the new beginning in Sapporo cards. So right then and there, we knew that these were not going to be... We speculate. We talked about it on the show. Right. We knew that we were, we were not getting Tanahashi, Okada, Jay White, Naito. So, yeah. When they first said, like, they're going to be running New Japan in USA, we were like, oh, wow, that's amazing. You know, it's going to be a, a new foothold into the uh, Western market. They're coming coast to coast for the first time ever. This is this is a big deal. But then we looked at the venue sizes. We're like, you know, the Globe Theater, you know, these are smaller... You know, a couple that these are these are not like Walter Pyramid. These are not you know Long Beach and all that. They're you know one to three thousand seat arenas, which are you know respectable, but they're fairly small. We're talking about like a Corkin sized building, maybe a little bit smaller uh, in both cases. And they basically said, hey, if they are prominently featured on the New Beginning tour, they are not going to be on this tour. So we knew most of the major superstars were not going to be part of it. Right. Then they also came out and said that they would be featuring featuring a lot of the young lion talent, you know. So at that point, you had a figure. Given the size of the venues, given the caliber of stars, you knew weren't going to be on it. We were looking at essentially road two shows, but in America. Right, and another thing to look at too is just the New Japan World schedule. These shows are not airing live on New Japan World. They no. will be on. Tape delay. I think we were also speculating on that. We weren't sure if it was actually going to be tape delay or live or whatever, but, you know, we were kind of glad because we were like, oh, tape delay, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) 
Because th these are like days apart, you know? That would have yeah. been a lot of coverage, a lot of shows to watch. So we're like, oh, tape delay, that's, that's kind of nice. And then after uh, Wrestle Kingdom, we started seeing, you know, Goto and Jeff Cobb got built. Ishii and Nagata. Yeah, and we're like, these are the, sh these are the guys that are probably going to be featured heavily on the, you know, USA shows. Because they're, as they, they came out with the other New Beginning shows first, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we knew who wasn't going to be on it. Now, with that being said, um, and I'm not, some people probably are listening to this thinking I'm bringing up a laundry list of excuses. These are not excuses. These are, if you're listening to me, this is not an excuse. We're going to, we're going to take New Japan to task for where they need to be taken to task. Don't get me wrong. But these are, that. this is how it happened. Yeah. When the tickets went on sale, they sold out almost immediately mm -hmm. for both the Charlotte show as well as the LA show. The LA show. So the demand was there. I think a lot of people buying these tickets are first and foremost diehard wrestling fans. I think that they're probably well educated wrestling fans. I don't think it's your typical run of the mill, like, you know, you're. you're I don't know how to say it, but like, you know, your casual, yeah, your casual WWE level fans. These are people who are familiar with this product. They're either independent wrestling fans who frequent indie shows or they like New Japan one or the other. Right. And so the thing is, New Japan is a hot ticket. So there's there's a demand for it. And so even though they did not announce a single talent for the shows, or you know, give anybody really a true rough idea of what the shows were going to be like until even. I think that those reports about the young lions and you know the 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 guys that weren't on the main shows kind of came out even after the tickets had already sold. Yeah, but I think every everyone who got tickets was for the most part getting an idea of what type of shows these were, and you weren't hearing any complaints. It wasn't anyone being like, "Oh man, there's going to be a lot of young lions, so I should get rid of my tickets." Yeah, it wasn't like that. Time goes on, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we get the the other the new beginning in Japan shows, and we're like, mm, something's something's up because we're like <laughs> we haven't gotten these USA shows, and they're yeah. like a few days away, and they even announced, oh, we're gonna do one in Nashville. Yeah, they put on a third show and started selling tickets for that, and so but then we just we didn't have cards, and so uh, the day prior to this, Dave Meltzer had come out and said, you know. We're going to discuss basically on the next episode the issues with New Japan and why there's been a delay in them announcing their cards. Now, prior to him saying that, I actually didn't think there was an issue at all. Yeah, neither did I. And the main reason for that is because this fell right in line with New Japan's business practices here in America, for better or worse. And I have criticized them heavily as well as Jeremy that they need to announce their shows ahead of time. You're right. Um, especially given what type of shows these were going to be. I don't think there was any real, you know, in the past we've said, well, part of their booking styles, they, we wait until the show prior wraps up and then, then they'll announce the, the, the coming shows because they don't want to spoil results. Yeah. You know, that's a big part of what they do, but you know, like two or three weeks have passed since Wrestle Kingdom and we still didn't have these USA shows. And we're like, that's weird. But at the same time, I didn't think much of it. You know, because mm -hmm. they have... They've done something similar like this before. They do it all the time. Yeah. They do it all the time in the States. They do it all the time over there. And so they just hadn't announced the cards. And I don't know if, like, people... I can't imagine what it was like being a ticket holder. Kind of like being like, what am I going to see? It's like a few weeks away. <laughs> yeah. And there's no cards announced. And then, what was it, Tuesday night? Yeah, uh, whenever... 
the twenty uh, fourth because the, the cards were announced the same day that they had put that um, statement. I thought that up. was I thought that was a day after. I think it. I'm was. pretty sure that they announced the cards like the day before. It might have been well, depending on the Japanese timing, it might have been the same day or right after. But they ended up they announced the cards first, regardless if it was the same day or right after. They announced the cards for the, the U.S. shows first, and then people lost their minds. And then later on, after they announced the cards, they um, came out with that statement that I read um, at the top of the show. Yeah, the New Beginning and USA cards dropped a whole day before they released that statement. That statement was not the same day. Gotcha. Um, They did that on the 23rd, and Uh, then they came out with the press press release the 24th. Yeah. So I think that was a a big uh, misstep on New Japan's side. They really should have gotten out in front of this thing way ahead of time and put out their release then saying, hey guys, you know, we're having visa issues. We're hoping to have Japanese talent on the show. If we can't get this resolved, like we will have to come up with an alternative card to let people know ahead of time instead of, you know, announcing these cards and then, oh, oh, by the way, guys, we've been, uh, you know, having these visa issues and now it's going to be no Japanese talent on the show. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, so, I mean, what happens is the 23rd comes around, late night, early morning, they announce the shows, and I wake up and, like, the internet has exploded. Yeah, Twitter's on fire. Yeah, everyone is freaking out. Uh, you know, the keyboard warriors and the the Fed defense squatters, like, jump onto their podcast and jump yeah. onto their blogs that was, that was their... a good morning to be part of the fds yeah <laughs> yeah if you were uh, uh non you know if you're if you're a wwe fan who hates new japan or whatever and there are quite a few of those types of fans believe it or not that that was like a great morning you were lapping it up you know uh people just freaking out and the, the funny thing is i was listening to a lot of shows and list and listening to a lot i i don't think like if you're credible you know like you know you're not going to hear like Dave Meltzer coming out here and or whoever coming out and saying foolishness. But I heard people talking about like, oh, they false advertised and this and that and the other. And it's like, I don't know. There's just a lot of people kind of talking like knee jerk reactions to this thing, you know. Yeah. And not only that, the fans, especially a lot of fans, a lot of fans who are not even fans of New Japan or if they are who aren't aware of, like, current events were going on. You know, there's a lot of people who didn't know that we're, our government was shut down or how that might affect what was going on. Yeah. Just, like, literally, like, immediately, these guys planned this. This was, we've been bamboozled. Yeah, it's we've the been, plan all along. The they finessed along. us. Yeah, they, yeah, they need to cancel the shows. They need to refund everybody their money. They waited to the last minute so that everybody would have to uh, be unable to sell their tickets and blah, blah, blah. And so that's kind of what happened. And then and then the next day they came out with that statement, statement yeah. which did fall in line with what Dave Meltzer had said on the 23rd. He came he was the first one to come out and say basically they tried to get visas, they couldn't get them and this is what's happening. Um and now we're here. Yeah. So that's that's like the whole timeline of where we're at. So let's um let's discuss this issue and yeah. like let's just break it down and let's talk talk about what this all means and what the reactions are and everything. Yeah, so I mean, on, on New Japan side, like I stated a few minutes ago, I think they definitely should have come out with with what was happening earlier, let fans in on the loop, 
and try to get ahead of this whole narrative that they were uh, false advertising. Um, but then on, on the, the well, well, let's let's say this, okay? I do want to. I'm not going to stick up for them because I think that this is. There's no way to put this other than that it's a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, whether the shows do well and whether people enjoy them is besides the point because I believe they probably will enjoy the shows and people will still probably go to it. But as far as from a PR standpoint, from a um, goodwill and faith standpoint, reg- no matter what situation was in or out of their control, and we're going to discuss that too, it is a failure. Yeah. And so – and that's life. Sometimes things happen that that – that don't go your way and that's mm-hmm. what's happening here and so like Jeremy just said there's ways they could have basically dealt with this but one thing I do want to say uh, there was a lot of I, I saw a lot of people talking about oh they false advertised and I'm glad you brought that up because um, Rich asked us a question can you explain the difference between false advertising and what happened with the New Japan cards okay so I will give you an example and I think it's a relevant example because it just happened this weekend. False advertising is when you book the Royal Rumble and you advertise to sell tickets that you are going to have a title match between Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman. And so everyone who buys tickets is under the assumption that that is the match they're getting. Or you advertise that John Cena will be in the Royal Rumble. He was featured on most of the posters as one of the front center guys. These are big names that move numbers, and they had a big arena to, to fill. And the reports were coming out for a while that the that was not what the plan was going to be, but that's what they advertised to people. Then, a few days before the, you know, a, a few weeks before the show, oh, Braun is not going to be facing him. It's going to be Finn Balor. Finn Balor. Oh, and then the day before, oh, Cena is injured, even though it's a storyline. You know, even though they wrote him off in storyline, whether he is injured or not, I don't know if it's a work or if it's a shoot. From what I'm hearing, it's a work. He actually has uh, filming commitments. Right. That is false advertising. Mm-hmm. And it is funny that people are taking this company to task when they never announced a talent. They never announced a single person. Right. They, there was no cards announced when tickets went on sale. And, you know, honestly, that's on fans. We have... In this kind of day and age of the the FOMO era, the fear of missing out, um, fans when shows get announced, they they blind buy tickets and they buy tickets without cards being announced. And hey, we're guilty of that too. We have MSG tickets, yeah, and there's no card announced. We have NXT Takeover tickets. There's no card announced for that. But going off the assumption of the show and the company, you you have that assumption of you know of what to expect, and they call it buyer beware. Yeah. And so, as a fan, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to come out here and blame fans, but you got to think, like, they... I, I'm not going to blame the fan. And mm-hmm. I also, I see what you're saying, Jeremy, mm-hmm. and, I, and it's a valid point, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when promoters are given the ability to, when, when they sell out a, a card with no card, when they sell out a show with no card announced, then that allows them the luxury to do whatever they want right. at that point. So, yes, to some extent, I agree with you. If, if the fans continue to buy tickets before a show is announced, like let's say WrestleMania goes on sale next week and everyone buys tickets, and then well, it sells. Yeah, t- many of the tickets are already 
They are, they are on sale? Yeah, they went on sale like November. Okay, so like let's say that the demand for WrestleMania was greater than it actually is, and it's sold out already. Well, now Vince and them have your money. They could do whatever they want. Same thing with New Japan. You know, if Wrestle Kingdom goes on sale and they sell out, that'd be amazing. But if it yeah. did, here's, here's my only thing with it. Um, I'm not going to blame the fans here because the reality is when it is a hot product that the demand is super high, for instance, a PWG or something of that nature, mm-hmm. I can't blame the fans who want to sit back and say, I'm going to wait and see what the card's like. Well, you're not going to get a ticket. Right. So that's I, I understand where that stance is coming from. And the, the reality is, is if a promoter does, and I'm not saying it's all New Japan's fault, but if they do this, Right. Th- then this then fans are not going to rush. And right. Fans are going to be wary next time and are going to wait until some talent or cards are announced. But I'm not going to put it on the fans who are expecting you know a certain um a certain quality and a certain type of product that they are accustomed to seeing from that company. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that they false advertised. They de- they definitely didn't false advertise. Right. They didn't all they advertised was new beginning in USA. There was yeah. no talent, no card. So what was falsely advertised? The only, they are, they're doing three new beginning shows in USA. The only way you could say they false advertised is if you're like, it's new Japan Pro Wrestling and there's no... One Japanese. <laughs> yeah, like there's almost no Japanese talent. Yeah. So that's not actually new Japan. That's where you might be able to say, well, it's false advertising. But then again, and we'll get to it here in a moment, that is not something that they could control. Right. That's something that there's no way... You can convince me that New Japan Pro Wrestling didn't want to send Tomohiro Ishii or Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah, they wanted to. Yeah, you know Liger, he's one of the first guys to you know raise his hand when uh, coming over to the U.S. But you know, I've heard I've heard the same argument from certain people. They're like, you know, the fans should not be going out and you know wait to wait until a card is announced. But it's like you can't if it's New Japan Pro Wrestling and it's a 1,000 seat arena or whatever and you know that the anticipation is high it's like those Joey Janela tickets like that the reason that it's hot is because the the product's hot if the product's hot and you want to be there you got to get your ticket ahead of time it's that's just the name of the game it is up to the promoters to deliver on the fans expectation same way how MSG sold out like you know they have a lot to live up to and there are people who are like oh well they have your your money now, and so they can book whatever kind of foolishness they want for MSG. It's like, well, they they can, but it'll, it'll be a bad PR thing on the backside, and it'll it'll look bad on them. If you want to kill the goodwill with your fan base, you can mm-hmm. definitely do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't think that that's what they're going to do, and I don't think that's what they intended to do here. So that's that's the one thing I do want to say. I don't want to blame the fans. Now I understand that whole line of logic, but I just I reject it from this standpoint. People thought that they were getting New Japan Pro Wrestling, and they're not, and that's why they pay, they paid that extra money. Um, but one thing I will say is this. These cards really, truthfully, are not that different from what they were probably getting anyways. Yeah. I mean, with the, you know, with the addition of a few J- Japanese guys, a lot of this card is probably what you were gonna see in some way mm-hmm. so uh you want to go over these right now yeah i think we should go over them and then we should also talk about the the japanese talent that was going to be coming that was unable to to come over okay so we have the new beginning in uh los angeles this is happening on wednesday january 30th we have uh alex coughlin against clark connors 
John Gresham versus Tyler Bateman, Colt Cabana versus Shane Taylor. We have Villain Enterprises of Brody King and Marty Skrull against Killer Elite Squad, Jeff Cobb against Carl Fredericks, David Finley against Chucky e. T. In the main event, one time only the re- reunion of Rapungi Vice, Rocky, Ro- Rocky Romero, and Beretta taking on Lifeblood, Tracy Williams, and Juice Robinson. Um, then we move on to February 1st, and this is the new beginning in Charlotte. We have Carl Fredericks against Clark Connors, John Schuyler and Colt Cabana against Shane Taylor and Lance Archer. We have Tracer X versus Great O'Karn in his USA debut. We have Jonathan Gresham against Jeff Cobb, or excuse me, Jonathan Gresham and Jeff Cobb against Brody King and Marty Skrull. Alex Coughlin against Davey Boy Smith Jr. We have Hot Sauce Tracy Williams and David Finley against Rocky Romero and Chucky T. And in the main event, we have the IWGP US Heavyweight Championship match with the champion Juice Robinson defending against Beretta. And then the final night is the new beginning in Nashville, Tennessee. We have Carl Fredericks against Alex Coughlin, Jonathan Gresham and Colt Cabana against Shane Taylor and Lance Archer, Harlem Bravado against the great O'Karn, Clark Connors against the villain Marty Skrull, Jeff Cobb against Brody King, and then the main event is a six-man tag elimination match. Chaos vs. Lifeblood. Representing Lifeblood will be Tracy Williams, David Finley, and Juice Robinson. Representing Chaos, Rocky Romero, Chucky e. T, and Barretta. Yeah. Um, I was trying to find the report of the Japanese talent that was supposed to be coming over. You don't happen to have that, do you? I don't. I mean, the main names that I know were uh, Tomohiro Ishii, Yuji Nagata, um, Hiroki Goto. Uh, I believe Jushin Thunder Liger was supposed to be coming over. I believe um, Rapungi 3K, Sho and Yo were supposed to be coming over. Uh, Satoshi Kojima. Yes, Kojima. And, yeah, you said Liger. Yeah, th- that's pretty much it. Those are the guys that were going to come over. So, um, yeah, I mean, <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there, there's a, there's just a lot to talk about here. So, I mean, I, I will say this. Um, there are people that basically, well, one thing I will say is for the show in, um, in North Carolina, the main event is Juice and Beretta. Um, that that's a match that you were going to get, regardless of whether this shutdown happened one way or the other. Right. They've they've been building that. It's the U.S. title, so obviously they were going to put it in the main event. My my estimation is the three, uh, you know, the three big matches that had kind of been built with storylines behind it was Juice and Beretta for the U.S. title, Ishii and Yuji Nagata, and then. Um, Hiroki Goto and Jeff Cobb and that probably would have been for like the Ring of Honor television title and those are like the three big singles matches that were probably going to headline um, we still have Juice and Breda with them both being you know US citizens we're still getting that show one thing I do want to point out too is that that match is being held in the North in North Carolina so the North Carolina show is sold out the LA show is sold out and I, we haven't heard any like word about the Tennessee show uh, for War Memorial Auditorium, but that's a, actually a bigger arena than the other two. And so 
I think one thing to keep like to keep in mind is that hypothetically, if New Japan was trying to like give you the better like basically if they they already have the money for those other two shows, what they could have done as like a shady business practice hypothetically. They could have tried to load up this show in Tennessee. Right. The they, they could have put the, the IWGP uh, U.S. title match on the Tennessee show instead of this uh, Carolina yeah, show. Yeah, to, to try to draw more tickets and, and keep them you know in the black when it comes to this whole thing. Um, and you'll notice that they didn't do that. You know, They didn't make the fans in North Carolina suffer due to what's going on. They didn't say, oh, we, we already got your money, so we're going to take away your big match. No, they, they still put on the big match there, even though they've got your money. So I, I that is one thing I want to applaud them for. Um, and I will say this too, like, there is, and this doesn't excuse it, so don't think I'm trying to excuse it, but like, we do have quote unquote, new Japan talent. You know, you still have Juice, you still have Rocky Romero, Trent Beretta, Chucky e. T, Dave Finley, to some extent Jeff Cobb, Marty Skrull, Marty Skrull, KES, and you know those are going to be your your main like New Japan guys. Now that doesn't mean that I would put my stamp of approval on this and say this is a New Japan show. Right. The same way when I went to we went to the CES show in uh, Daytona. It didn't feel like a New Japan show, even given all the New Japan talent, even having, you know, Golden Lovers against, you know... Naito and Harum. Yeah, like, there was a lot about that show that did not feel like it was a New Japan-branded show, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I'm guessing that people are go- that go to these shows... Now, I think one thing that's cool, maybe I'm wrong here, but I'm, I've got to imagine that they're going to have an actual New Japan-style ring... New Japan style presentation. If they don't, then they probably need to do that. Yeah. Like they need to do whatever they can that's in their powers to actually present as authentic of a New Japan style product as they can. Uh, the other thing too is that it is kind of these cards are not that bad. Yeah, I mean these are pretty decent cards. I mean, if this was just you know like an indie show, I would I would pay to go to these cards. Yeah, if if this was a show that was uh, you know. In my area, I would definitely go to these shows. There's nothing on these shows that is egregious. And I don't think that that's necessarily been any fan's complaint. So that doesn't excuse what's going on. It's not like people are like, I don't, Marty Skrull. <laughs> you know, that's not what it is. Yeah. Like they, they expected to see Japanese talent. And they're not getting it. That being said, from what I can see here on paper, they're trying their hardest <laughs> to put on as as like high caliber of a show as they can on short notice, given what they have. Um, you'll notice there's a lot of ring of honor guys that are being loaned out to them. Tracy Williams is being loaned out. Brody King is being loaned out. Shane Taylor, Colt Cabana, Jonathan Gresham, Jonathan Gresham. And then they, in each case, they pulled out a couple guys like, uh, is Tyler Bateman one of their young lines? No, he's a indie talent. Okay. Um, you know, they've got Tyler Bateman on one of these shows. Uh, Tracer X. Tracer X. Uh, uh, Harlem Bravado from uh, Evolve. So they're, and yeah, and so they're borrowing a few guys. They also got Great Okarn feature. That's, you know, uh, Tomoyuki Oka, if you're not familiar. Um, he's out on excursion over in RevPro. Uh, so, I mean, they are trying to the best of their abilities, given the situation, to put on as high caliber of a show as they can now 
Um, I will say that they they did kind of load up that Tennessee show. They've got Jeff Cobb and Brody King, which is sounds pretty awesome. Um, and then they've also got this um, six man tag between best friend slash Rapongi Vice taking on Lifeblood, which is Tracy Williams, Dave Finley, and Juice Robinson. And um, so they're trying really hard. So I mean, I, I will say this: these shows don't look awful. Like. Um, I think that's one of the few kind of make goods that they're trying to make mm-hmm. is that they're like, okay, we, we didn't get these guys. So we're going to try to give you as, you know, they scrounged up. They, they're calling local talent. They're calling ring of honor talent. I'm, I'm sure they were like really like scrambling to get a good show put together for the fans. The problem here is the people that paid for these tickets aren't seeing the product that they thought they were getting. Right. And no matter whether it's New Japan's fault or not, okay. So like, let's talk about. There's a couple things. So, Jeremy, you you said it perfectly. Um, there's a lot of people out there that when this happened started like messaging us, started talking on social media. Oh, it takes this long to get you know visas, and oh, it takes this long to do this, and you know they should have known. Like I remember, there was people who were literally like they should have known better. Yeah. And I'm like, well, these guys been sending talent to America. For decades, yeah, you know this is not new to them. It's not like it's not like they, um, you know, they just started doing what. Let me ask you something. When have we heard of visa issues before? Never. Not or like Kenny Omega had visa issues for years. That's why he he didn't work Ring of Honor and all that. But other than that, like nobody. Exactly. So, like you mentioned, for for decades, for years now. Actually, you know what? Let me take that back. There are a lot of Canadian wrestlers. Along with Kenny Omega, who have visa issues, it happens all the time. People do know that it is a difficult process, and that speaks to what you're saying. We've never heard about it with New Japan, especially for for the Japanese talent. Never. Um, this is a company that, you know, pretty much does have their act together when it comes to bringing people over. Um, you know, and like I was saying, like they, yeah, they just started doing full blown New Japan shows a couple you know, the last two years, but they've been sending Japanese talent to America and abroad for decades. They've been doing co-promoted shows with Ring of Honor for like five or six right, years. Right, all those um, global wars and War of the World tours. They were doing tours with uh, All Jersey Pro before that, going back to like 2012. They've Remember been sending the, guys on excursions I mean, forever. The original LA Dojo, they would send guys to some of those shows. Yeah, this is not new for New Japan. And now there, there were people that were saying that they waited too long and they like, you know, didn't have their act together when it came to getting this. And I, I'm going to call bluff on that. I'm going to call bluff on that because you that that doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? That yeah. doesn't make sense for, for a company that is trying to promote these shows and who has never before. Okay, here's why it doesn't make sense to me. Number one, no reputable wrestling journalist has said that. It's, it's only been wrestling fans and like little whispers here and there. Mm-hmm. You're not hearing anyone saying, oh, they didn't put them in in enough time. So I'm going to say that that's probably a fallacy. Um Number two, it doesn't make sense if you actually want to promote. There's no way you can tell me that they didn't want to have the Japanese talent who they weren't using for their big shows to come do this. They wouldn't have put the money, time, effort, and production into this. So that's number two. Like, you, there's two things there that don't line up. Like, people are saying, like, oh, they waited too long. It's like, 
Well, nobody's reporting that, and it doesn't line up with what they would have wanted to be their end goal or their their you know what I mean? Yeah. And then number three, they don't have a track record at all of failing when it comes to obtaining visas for their pro wrestlers. You know, I could I believe that there's a scenario where some goofball wrestling promotion didn't have their act together and, and fumbled with paperwork and dragged their feet and and it's a catastrophe. Could that happen? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But you can't tell me New Japan has done that when they've they've been doing this for decades and they have no track record of a failure. There's no one reporting it and it doesn't line up with what their goals are. So I'm going to say that's false. Mm-hmm. What's more likely and what I believe is that the government unexpectedly shut down. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that if the government had not shut down, these guys would have gotten their visas and you, we would have gotten Japanese talent on these, on these shows. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not an expert on how long it takes to get these or anything like that. I, I'm really not. Um, but like you said, the, the reality is the, the answer that they're giving to us is that the government shut down and due to, the, you know, those extenuating circumstances, they were unable to obtain these. So, you know, the, the government shut, has been shut down since, and actually the government shutdown is now lifted. So thank yeah. God for that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that I think the big question once this happened is like, oh, my God, what's going to happen at MSG? MSG yeah. Um, from all the reports and everything we're hearing, that's being handled. That's they're they're taking like precautions and and extra measures to basically put all that into motion. So I don't think that this will be an issue going forward once uh, WrestleMania weekend comes up. Uh, But the government shut down, you know, December 22nd. um, And the point of contention was that like, you know, President Trump wanted $5.7 billion in funding to, you know, put a border wall against Mexico and, the, you know, there, there was people on both sides that didn't want – one side wanted it, one side didn't. Uh, the government shut down. And so 800,000 federal employees have been out of work without pay. It, it's, it went on for over a month. It's the longest shutdown of its kind in United States history. And there's people that are coming out here trying to tell us, oh, well, you know, it takes this long to – you know, there was people who were like, oh, well – you know, not all facets of the government are shut down. They still could have got through. It's like, well, it's not just New Japan is trying to get visas, right? And the government came down, to, came to a standstill. Eight hundred thousand employees. And the thing is, like, v, get, obtaining a visa, it's, you're not just going through one government agency. There are several moving parts that are, from what I understand, and so those timetables are thrown completely out the window when people are just not showing up to work. Exactly. There's a, a shutdown, like. There was no way that New Japan could have prepared for this. Yeah, no, no one could expect for this to happen. So there, there are those fans who are like, if if I will say this, if you're a fan who's like they wanted this, that's stupid. They yeah. did not want this. If you're someone who's like they planned this, how does that make sense? How does them not bringing Japanese talent be part of their plan? That right. that's stupid. And for fans who are like, oh well, they should have gotten it quicker. You're wrong. You're wrong because they've they've had the same business practice for decades. It's never failed them before. The most likely scenario is the one that's right in front of all of our faces. Like I know everyone wants to be a conspiracy theorist and put on their tinfoil hat and uh, you know say it's this or that. But like sometimes it's it's pretty simple. The, the government shut down. They're a foreign company with foreign talent, 
and they were unable to obtain visas for the show. That's the story. That's what happened. Now, with that being the case, when did it look like they weren't going to get these visas is the real question, and how should they have handled this? Right. And which I've been saying all on this show, they should have gotten out way before. As soon as they realized they were having issues and it was getting too close to the show, they should have gotten out ahead of this thing and released a statement saying, you know, we're, try- we're working on getting the visas, we're having issues due to the shutdown, you know, we'll keep you updated. Something like that, you know? I um I, I just have to wonder and speculate because that sounds good in practice and I, I understand what you're talking about. You're talking about being transparent with the fan base and, mm-hmm. and because at that point it still keeps a level of goodwill. Mm-hmm. But I also have to imagine how people would have reacted um, and I got to wonder what the appropriate response really is and also how people are going to respond to it. Uh, it seems to me that New Japan was in a bad spot no matter what they right. did. But I definitely think they would have been a, in a little bit better spot if they came out before because the way they did it here, man, they they announced these U.S. cards, big announcement, and then it's like... I'm, I'm just being analytical. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm yeah. just thinking out loud. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to say, yeah. Because I kind of... I don't find myself at, on one extreme end or the other. Um, I'm kind of in the middle. I guess... So, like, because I think what they were hoping for, and this is the unfortunate thing, I think they were hoping that this issue would resolve itself and that the visas would come through. And, you know, day by day, it just didn't happen and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And you have to wonder, at what point do you make that decision? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it sounds good in theory. Like, they should have told everybody ahead of time. Well, it's like, when in the process? And this is where you can criticize them because... If what we're saying is true, we're saying they've gone through this process a million times. Well, what about this one time where they're going through it and then it's not happening? <laughs> right. So quit. And, and they're and they're very familiar with how it should be. When do they come out and say, guys, <laughs> this thing might not be happening? Yeah. Um, when do they do that? You know, yeah. from, from a moral standpoint as a company and keeping transparency, do they do it three weeks out, a month out? Five days before, you know, when do they? When, what do you think? When yeah. do they do that? You know, I, personally, if it was me, I think maybe a month out. Um, you know, it's or the beginning of January. Hey guys, you know, we have applied for the visas for Japanese talent. Um, unfortunately, due to the government shutdown, uh, we haven't been able to obtain those visas. We are working on it, and we're hoping that we'll be able to get. Um, the Japanese talent their visas in time for the shows. If not, we will um, have a plan to still give you a card that represents uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling and try to get a month ahead of time. Everybody who has their tickets know the situation that's going on and then um, as it gets closer, you can be like, hey guys, we couldn't get the visas unfortunately because government's still shut down and they, they haven't gotten to our request yet. So due to that issues, we have reached out to our partners at Ring of Honor. They are going to be supplying um, some talent to help fill these cards out for you. Here's what we have planned for you guys. Here, here is where I'm a little bit critical about all of this. Um, January 8th, they announced the new beginning in Tennessee or Nashville. We kind of knew that they were going to be doing a third, and there was even plans at one point for a fourth show. So, you know, we knew that they're not going to go from L.A. to 
Charlotte and not do anything in between. That doesn't make fiscal sense. Yeah. So we knew that they were, and there was rumblings that they were going to announce other shows. So I don't think that they just suddenly, you know, were like, oh, guys, we're going to do a show, you know, early January. They just decided that. I think that was always the plan. They probably just didn't have everything worked out. But January 8th, they did announce that show when they hadn't announced it. They put the tickets on sale. Two weeks later, we don't have, you know, the cards ready. And so that is something where I'm like, eh, I don't, yeah. you know, um, I think the reports were like, what, late November is when they put in for the, for the, um, visas, yeah. for the visas. Um, yeah, I, I just, I have to wonder one thing to you, I, I would, I would question is like, they come out and they say, you know, this is what's happening. We may or may not have the Japanese talent coming over but we're going to try to put on the best shows we can for you guys. You're right. They, I think that that probably would have been the better way to go about it because they get in front of the story. Right. But what's the fan reaction going to be? I mean, to regardless, there's probably going to be heat. And there are going to be people, you know, mad disappointed to be, you know, hey, I booked plane tickets. I booked the hotel. I was expecting to see some Japanese talent on this show. You know, New Japan rarely comes to the East Coast. I was really pumped out about it. This is a bummer. Regardless of how far ahead they got of it, the fans will still be disappointed, um, angry, um, you know, bummed out of the situation. Yeah, I think it's a tough business call to some degree because it's like you – like hypothetically if the visas had come through for, for whatever reason mm-hmm. and then they had made that announcement prior – what if like the shows had been dampened by that, you know, like the the – you know, for whatever, like people start selling off their tickets, didn't want to go, and then the, and then the visas come through, and now they look like they don't know what they're doing, and I'm sure that they were expecting and hoping. I think at the end of the day, they probably did really realistically think that the visas were just going to come through. You know, yeah. Um, and I think that that was probably something where they're like, well, we probably don't want to worry our fan base and make it look like you know whatever. But on the other side of things, well, then now you have this other situation that actually did happen where. Now you had to make the announcement. And what's, I think, the one really critical thing and the one thing that is embarrassing about it, and it is embarrassing, they announced the cards and didn't say anything about the reason why it was right. happening. They posted, they did a separate announcement the next day instead of in the announcement of the cards with an explanation. And they, they, they announced the they cards. They didn't do it ahead of time or while they were announcing right. the cards. Right, they announced the cards like it was a normal card announcement. <laughs> hey guys, new beginning in USA. Yeah. Lifeblood versus Chaos. Yeah. Juice versus Beretta. Jeff Cobb versus Brody King. It's like if you've ever had to like, I'm trying to think of it. It's like if you ever had to tell your parents like something that you didn't want to tell them, so you just say it and then you just try to move on and you hope that they don't respond or react to right, it. Right, yeah. And then, but it's so crazy that they're like, boy, what you just say? Like, yeah. And you're like, oh, crap. Like, <laughs> now I got to apologize. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what New Japan tried to do here. Like, they're like, all right, guys, midnight, three, we got three shows. Here they are. Boom. All right, let's move on. And like, they were, if no one had reacted negatively, they wouldn't have probably said anything. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a big, for all the things they try, they're trying to do here and every positive thing they're doing, they had to know, <laughs> they had to yeah. know that people were going to have an issue with this. 
And you know, we did have a question here from Reddit user Rambones underscore Slam Pig, and he said, "Have the visa issues that are altered worker availability for the new beginning uh, in USA shows done damage to the New Japan Western expansion?" Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think for sure. Um, I think that there are a lot of things that can be learned from this. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that is probably important, and I've been saying this for a long time, and I think it's important, especially if they're going to run shows here in America, you have to announce a card ahead of time. You have to announce a card ahead of time. And now, this is probably going to create a situation where they really are going to have to do that. We saw where they had issues with uh, the show at the Cow Palace. This New past beginning, year. In, or not, or, excuse me, uh, what was it? Uh, Strong style? No, what was it? What was that card called? G one special on yeah, G one special in San Francisco. Yeah, they had lots of issues because they waited so long to announce the card, and what they had announced for the card was like kind of weak for a while, um, and then they they had those same issues with like the uh, the Juice Cody show that you know, um, they they I understand why in the past they have hesitated to announce matches for match cards and things of that nature. But the bottom line is like if if you, you can't just get by on the buzz and the hype of a company's name and a brand all alone. And they have for a while and now when a catastrophe strikes, now that goodwill is is ruined. And yeah. there there are gonna, there are people that are upset and the fans who are upset, I think they have every right to be upset. Right. Yeah, they've definitely hurt their credibility with the western audience. And the next time that they, you know, the next show, so um, probably with the Dallas show, the, the first night of the G1. Yeah, yeah, they, that's something they, to really look forward to. Like, yeah. They need to come out, you know, ahead of time and say, hey, here's what the lineup is. Even for- Well, I think we're going to get a lineup hypothetically because it's the G1. Yeah. Um, probably around uh, Kizuna Road. Yeah. It's usually when they That's usually, that. yeah. But... They probably need to come out ahead of time. Like whenever it is they're going to start selling tickets, they probably – even if they don't have the the blocks listed or the competitors, they should probably come out and say this is going to be A block and B block. You're getting a full night of singles matches, matches from all – you're getting 10 singles matches. At least at, – yeah, at least at that point people know what to expect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they can announce stuff later to build to, – further hype the thing you know you can't just come out and say strong style evolved you know and it's be like there. be there and it's like well who's wrestling you know and never mind that just just show up <laughs> you know there's there's been complaints for years about you know i think that all the shows that they've put on over in california for the most part over the past couple of years have been excellent shows where there've been complaints though is people saying they don't feel like real New Japan shows, so they don't feel like major New Japan shows because they had so much Indian Ring of Honor talent featured on it, and you know that's been a, a big running theme. Is like, when are we going to get the authentic New Japan product? Mm-hmm. You know, and people are people want that, and then I think that people who are going to these shows probably assumed, oh, it's a New Japan branded show. Like that's what I'm getting. It's like. Uh, we're, we're going the total opposite way. Yeah, it's like you're getting a Ring of Honor show. You're basically <laughs> getting a Ring of Honor show, yeah. essentially. Now, these are really good Ring of Honor shows. Yeah. 
they look better to me than what they're doing for the uh, Road to um, Supercard shows. I'll say that. Yeah. But yeah, I think that their credibility is hurt, and I think that if they want to continue this Western expansion, they have to. They gotta like actually make amends and uh, have some make goods now. What do you think about refunds? I, I believe if there are fans that want refunds, they should be more than uh, free to request them, and then New Japan should give refunds to anybody who wants them. What do you think about canceling shows? Should they have canceled these shows? I don't think so. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a business, and I'm sure that these shows were a part of the, in, the income of their, their plan for 2019, and I, I would have I not canceled the show. I think that would have probably been even a bigger disservice to the fans that bought these shows. That's a good point. Um, I feel like um, you know, still giving them something, like, hey, guys, you know, we had this issue we couldn't control. We're trying our best to give you... We still want to put a show on for you guys. We're going to do our best to give you what we can do with what we have. And so, yeah, I think it would have been, yeah, it would have been a big mistake to cancel these shows. Do you think that New Japan should revamp their procedures for obtaining visas going forward? Uh, I don't know. Because, honestly, I'm not expecting the government to shut down again. Who who knows what could happen? Uh, but maybe they do get out maybe a few months earlier than they normally do, just that, in case. That would, be, that would be my answer to this, mm-hmm. is uh, a few lessons to learn. One, I think that they need to announce cards ahead of time. And that in, would ensure that they give us quality cards, or at least we know what we're getting when it comes to attending a New Japan show in America. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, I while I do not blame New Japan for failing to obtain these visas for the three reasons that I gave previously. I think that this means that it is well worth it to reconsider the process of obtaining visas only for the reason you never know what could happen. Right. And you don't want to be that company that they are right now that is sitting there with egg on their face being like, we don't know what happened, you know? Yeah. Now, will the government shut down again? I hope not, <laughs> you know, but anything can happen. You, right. you want to be prepared for every eventuality. So I, and I think that if they're smart, New Japan is going to take a look at this situation and say, okay, we should improve this process and maybe get out ahead of it to really ensure that this never happens again. Because right. one thing they cannot afford to have happen, they cannot afford for this to ever happen again. Ever, ever. If it ever happens Especially again. Especially in 2019 when you got Oof. MSG coming up in April you have the G1 in Dallas. You have the big show in August in London. Yeah. Now, why I don't think that – I think that people who are like, they should have canceled the shows. I, that, that's stupid. Here's a few reasons they shouldn't have canceled it. They did not announce a card. This was not false advertising. Um, they could have definitely handled the situation better. It is an embarrassment for them. But from what I can see, based on the talent, based on the cards they've given us, they have tried their best to – give as high quality of a product and I will say as they possibly can I will say this if New Japan wasn't on the marquee and it was Evolve or it was AAW or whatever these are pretty stacked lineups yeah and that's not just fan service or or me saying that these are pretty stacked cards you're getting a lot of really good talent and a lot of really good matches the problem is not the level of talent or the level of matches or, or whatever it's the fact that it says New Japan on the marquee. Right. That's the issue. Yeah. 
that being the case, they did try to give people as high quality of a show as they can give them. I think that these uh, wrestlers in particular are going to show up to these shows knowing what they're with up against. a chip on their shoulder, and yep. they're going to go out there and try to you know get the highest level of match they can do. Yeah, don't be surprised, people, if these shows end up actually being great, like to really good to great, because I think that the the at the end of the day, the wrestlers know, you know that they need to please the fans. They're entertainers, and that's what what they do. And I know that they're gonna anticipate having animosity or even apathy or something of that nature. They're going to have to try to rise above that. And I think that they're going to try to want to make good on what has happened. So I bet you these shows actually end up being really good. You know, I I would still go to them if I had tickets to them. Um, And if you don't feel like you want to go because, you know, Ishii's not there in Nagata, I get it. I'm not blaming you. Um, You have every right to be mad at New Japan for this. And but I think that we need to put things in perspective because the initial reaction from fans who didn't even look into it, didn't. He, I, I saw people being like, well, now we know we're not getting Naito. We're not getting Okada. This yeah. is false advertising. I'm like, they were. Those guys were never coming in the never, first place. They were never coming. You don't know what you're talking about. Oh, they, they, they. They twiddled their thumbs and didn't get the visas. Come on, dude. They wanted they wanted to bring their t- talent. Do you think they want this to happen? They, like- they did not wait like <laughs> a week before the shows and be like, oh, you know, crap. We need to get these visa things. And, you know, <laughs> this is not something New Japan wanted to have happen. Like this is a PR nightmare for right. them. So and you know all those people that are expecting your Tanahashi's, your Okadas, and Naitos, like, please explain to me how that they are supposed to wrestle at New Beginning in Sapporo yeah. and Rose New Beginning. And get to the USA on the same day. I also think it is funny how many people are on like Twitter and the internet being upset that this happened, but not knowing the government was even shut down. Like being totally clueless about right. it. And it's like, dude, you not know what's going on? <laughs> right. And for the, I don't think there's hope for those fans. Like I can't. Like what can I say? You know? Yeah. Um, you know, if you don't know that's going on. Like I don't. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, but for those reasons, I don't think they should have canceled the shows. Uh, I think refunds are definitely a valid thing. I don't know what their policy is in handling that. It is unfortunate that this happened, and I think uh, the worst part about it, I think the worst two things about it is they didn't get out ahead of the ahead of it to be transparent. That hurt, that hurts the goodwill with the American audience. And number two, they try to they try to give us the cards and not say crap about right, it. Right. Yeah. And if everything would have been smooth, they wouldn't have said crap. Right, yeah. That's wrong. Yeah. That's, they, yeah. They, that's wrong. Yeah. That was kind of messed up. Yeah. And Harold, if you're listening, our good friend Rocky, come on, guys, tighten up. Yeah. <laughs> if you knew to do better, you would do better. And I think you guys know to do better. So you know, let's get it together. You know, we don't want. You know, with us being New Japan Pro Wrestling fans, I mean, I understand the situation. I do feel for them. Uh, it's unfortunate what's happening, and I feel for the fans. But at the end of the day, the one thing I will say, these cards are good. I think they're going to be an entertaining night of wrestling. Um, and I think that people should go to these shows with an optimistic, you know, lookout or outlook on it. If, if the shows end up sucking, I'm, then, you know, I don't think they will. Look yeah. at, I don't think they will. That would suck, but... Um, I think these are going to be good shows, and I hopefully nothing like this ever happens again. Yeah, yeah, I'd never, yeah, that would be a disgrace if it's something like this happened again. And I think the positive out of it is New Japan has learned a big lesson, and hopefully this uh, betters. Unfortunately, for those who ha- are having a bad experience, I'm, you know, I do feel for you, but 
I think going forward, this will probably ensure that people have a more positive experience with New Japan if they continue to expand here. But they got they got to bring it because they got a twenty thousand seat arena in Texas to fill out later this year, and I'm sure they want to run tours like this in the future. They they're gonna need to announce what what's coming up. That's just what's gonna have to happen. Yeah, um, and we had a question here concerning um, Lifeblood from Reddit user FLIJ. He said, "What do you guys think of Life Lifeblood? Will they be brought over to New Japan Pro Wrestling and get some boys off the NJPW roster added to Lifeblood?" Um, I think that it would probably be. I don't know. I mean. I could see it going one of two ways. I could see it being something where it's like only somewhat acknowledged by New Japan. Like, for instance, if they bring up, let's say they bring over Tracy Williams for a tour or Bandito, I'm sure they would have them team with Dave Finley and Juice. Juice. Yeah. They might not do a full, like, we're a whole faction in New Japan. Sort T-shirts, of. logo on the name tag, on the, the, the name plates. Yeah, they might not do that, but they might acknowledge like that these guys are a team in Ring of Honor. The other thing, too, is they could try to elevate Juice in New Japan and actually make Lifeblood a thing there, too. Especially, especially if it actually does take off and becomes a popular thing and they're selling merch, then I'm sure they would do it at that point. Um, that's, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the, the faction's already kind of big as it is, but, I mean, New Japan usually puts a lot of people in factions, too. So I could see them doing potentially a, you know, a, you know, Japanese lifeblood side, and then you have, you know, almost like the, the, the Bullet Club, where you had, like, you know, your quote-unquote, like, Bullet Club, like, Japanese team, and then you had, like, the Bullet Club America team, which ended up being, like, the elite. Um, so you could do that where... In on in America, it's you know it's Haskins, Williams, Bandito, um, and Tennille Dashwood. Then you go to Japan, and then you have some other guys that are kind of the they, Japan Japan base. They could do that. I that's why I feel like they won't do that. I feel like Juice and Dave Finley will just be New Japan guys, and then if they bring over you know like whoever like you just like some of those guys you just mentioned like Mark Haskins or whatever, he'll probably team with them. And it'll probably be acknowledged like that these guys have a team over in Ring, Ring of Honor. Honor. Yeah. But I don't think that they'll start a whole Japanese uh, side of things. I would be surprised if they did that. Yeah. I think um, the Honor Rising shows coming up uh, at the end of this month, we'll see what they kind of do. Because I'm sure that some of these Lifeblood guys will be uh, featured on the card. Yeah. I mean, that's my the, the main reason is because I don't see any of those guys becoming... Um, Contracted talent to New Japan, unless unless something changes, they could. But yeah, as, uh, unless they're running regular tours of New Japan, I don't see like Lifeblood becoming a, a whole thing. But I think that there's a lot of uh, possibility with Lifeblood, and hopefully it becomes something. It also could just be one of those random Ring of Honor uh, factions that lasts for a few months, and then you, you kind of forget about it. They've <laughs> yeah. had a ton of those. Yeah, it so, happens all the time. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Um, sorry, so that pretty much wraps up our discussion on uh, New Beginning in USA. Let's turn our focus to what's happening over in Japan. So um, starting um, today, um, we had the Road to New Beginning. Obviously, you guys know we record on Mondays. So the first televised Road to New Beginning show um, is already up on NJPW World. Um, Going to go over... Um, 
that card? Um, should we do results or just uh, not spoil them for now? Uh, yeah, I would say let's hold off. Let's not spoil it. All right, so I'll, I'll just say what the I'll run down the card for this show. Then there's also shows Tuesday and Wednesday, and then we'll see if there's anything that kind of piques our interest on these cards. So um, on the card that's up already right now, uh, they had Ren Narita and Minobu Nakanishi taking on Yuya Yumura and Yota Suji. Toa Hanare and Hiroshi Tenzan against Shota Umino and Ayato Yoshida. We have Taguchi, Hanma, Yano, and Makabe taking on Ishimori, Owens, Tangaloa, and Tamatonga. We have Yoshihashi and Kazuchika Okada taking on Yujiro Takahashi and Bad Luck Fale. We have Kushida and Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Ghetto and Jay White. Then we have uh, Elimination 10-man tag in the main event. Shingo to Takagi, Bushi, Sonata, Evil, and Naito against Desperado, uh, Kanemaru, Taichi, Zack Sabre Jr., and Minoru Suzuki. That, I mean, <coughs> I've said it on the show before. I love the Elimination tag matches, the Survivor, the Survivor Series-style matches in New Japan. Um, the cool thing about them usually is you can win by all, all the standard, you know, knockout, pinfall, DQ, submission, but also over the top rope ring out <coughs> is also so like you can't basically you can't uh, go over the top rope. So it's also like Royal Rumble rules. Yeah. And it's and it's a elimination style. So that's a match that I would say on this card looks most appealing to me. The other one is gonna be would be uh, Kushida and Tanahashi teaming up <coughs> for probably what's the last time. Yeah, to take on Jay White and Gato. That sounds interesting to me. Um, everything else on here is pretty standard. I mean, um, the Young Lion match in the beginning is probably gonna be pretty good, but uh, those are the matches that really stick out to me. The top the top two build matches. Yeah. So let's move over to uh, January 30th, which is Tuesday. 29th. Oh, 29th. Sorry, I pulled. I got the USA cards mixed up in here. So we've got uh, first match of the night, Ren Narita taking on Yuya Yamura. I don't think we've seen – well, we might have seen them one-on-one, but that sounds pretty awesome. Uh, Nakanishi and Tenzan. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> taking on Shota Umino and Ayota Yoshida. Uh, we got uh, match number three. Uh, Ryosuke Taguchi <coughs> and uh, Toa Hanare taking on the team of Taiji Ishimori and Yujiro Takahashi. Match number four, we've got Tomoyoki uh, Hanma and Toriyano and uh, Togi Makabe taking on the team of Chase Owens, Tangaloa, Tamatanga. Uh, the fifth match of the night, Yoshihashi and Kazushiko Okada taking on Jay White and Bad Luck Fale. And then match number six, Shingo Takagi, Bushi, Sonata, Evil and Tetsuya Naito taking on El Desperado, Kanemaru, Taichi, Zack Sabre Jr., Minoru Suzuki. And then uh, the final match of the night, the main event, special singles match between the IWGP heavyweight champion Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on uh, Kushida and what will be his final match with the company. So yeah, obviously the, the big match here, that main event, Tanahashi and Kushida, that's going to be you know a big match to watch and you know, Kushida's last... Uh, match here in New Japan. The uh, I assume the waterworks will probably start. <laughs> I I think that there are going to be people that really miss Kushida, and that's probably going to be like a pretty special moment. Um, you know, there's people who are like, well, should I watch these uh, 
road two shows, and I'm like, well, you know, you don't want to miss Kushida and Tanahashi. I'm that's a match that like that's a, that's gonna be a great that's a match. dream match. That's gonna be a great match. Um, the five man tag or the ten man tag before that is a rematch of the night before, but it's not an elimination style match. I believe it's just a standard. Right, it's a normal uh, pinfall submission. So I'm gonna guess whichever team won the first night will probably pick up the victory. The next, you know, the, the opposite team will probably pick up the victory. It's the scheduled next night. for one fall. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yoshihashi and Okada against Fale and Jay White is kind of interesting to me as well. Yeah, that's going to be kind of interesting. Yeah, with this whole Okada Jay White feud and kind of where Yoshihashi fits in this kind of thing. Well, he's going to take a pinfall. That's where he fits in. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, <laughs> you know, the rumors of Yoshihashi kind of being the mole. Still? Yeah. People still think that? Yeah. I mean, it could be. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, this this <clears throat> this is a pretty standard card, but I think those top three matches are the ones to look out for. The main thing is I think it's, in a way, it's a one-match show. Tanahashi and Kushida alone is worth the price of admission. That's, yeah. that's going to be excellent. And so then we have the Rosemary beginning on Wednesday, January 30th. We have Ren Narita and... No. Uh, Wednesday, January 30th. Yeah. That's what I said. Oh, you know what? I am... I don't know why I was... They've got this all listed out of order. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the first match is uh, Yota Suji and Toa Hanare against Shota Umino and Ayato Yoshida. Then Renderita and Hiroshi Tenzan against Tiger Mask and Minobu Nakanishi. Uh, one-on-one, we got Shingo against Kanemaru. Ooh. That should be fun. Kanemaru's going to get murdered. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have a uh, eight-man tag: Yoshihashi, Honma, Okada, and Tanahashi against Chase Owens, Yujiro Takahashi, Bad Luck Fale, and Jay White. Uh, the match before that is oh, he's, uh, Bushi and El Desperado. Uh huh. And then uh, we have a six-man tag with Sonata, Evil, and Naito against Taichi, Saber, and Minoru Suzuki. And then the main event of the night is for the Never Openweight Six-Man Tag Team Championships. Taguchi, Yano, and Makabe against uh, Taiji Ishimori and G.O.D. Yeah, so it looks like on this these Road 2 shows, we're getting obviously a lot of uh, L.I.J. and Suzuki-Goon, and this is kind of the culmination of that before the actual New Beginning show. So, you know, this the six-man tag's not an evil. They're going to be taking on Zack Sabre and Minoru Suzuki, um, Taichi and uh, Naito. So those are two big title matches. And then we're getting those singles matches. They did something like this similar last year. They uh, Bushi and Desperado. And then they're doing Shingo and Kanemaru. They did the same thing last year, except just replace uh, Shingo with um, with Hiromu. Remember they did those two singles yeah. matches? Mm-hmm. So kind of similar idea there. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. I think that those, those uh, singles matches, as well as that six-man tag, sound great. And then... Um, the funny thing is, like that that eight man tag with uh, all the uh, Seki Gun guys against Bullet Club, that doesn't really appeal to me for some reason. I'm more I'm more interested in those tag matches than this eight man tag. Yeah, I mean, because I mean that eight man tag, we're gonna be seeing some kind of combination of that throughout this tour. Yeah, and you know, you got Yoshihashi on that team, so you already know what's happening. Yeah, uh, but the main event is going to be a rematch of the match we got at Cork and Hall during. Um, uh, what's the uh, what's the show after Wrestle Kingdom called? Uh, New Year's Dash. Yeah, what's wrong with me? So yeah, a rematch from New Year's Dash. We got the the most violent perverts taking on uh, OG Bullet Club, 
And um, I'm going to guess we're probably getting new champions here. Yeah, I mean, these never six-man titles, they all usually flip-flop these things, hot potato the belts, and since uh, G.O.D. and Taiji retained, yeah, you think uh, for rematch here that it would make sense for uh, Most Violent Perverts to get the win. Unless they just, like, want us to know that Taguchi, Makabe, and Yano are not on their level. The other thing, too, is obviously we've got a title match coming up uh, between Taguchi and Ishimori, and that's probably what's going to be the se- the center focus of that match. And so... It would make, in my mind, a lot of sense to have Taguchi take gold away from Ishimori so that they can create that, make him look strong. Right, make it make you believe that um, Taguchi can actually have a chance of winning against um, Ishimori one-on-one. Yep. So those are the Road to New Beginning uh, shows, you know, that are coming up. They, you know, they are what they are. Uh, a couple, you know, exciting things there. But uh, let's get into the new beginning in Sapporo. That's coming up uh, Saturday, February 2nd, and then Sunday, February 3rd. Yeah, so um, on the first night on February 2nd, we got, we're got going to open up with uh, Ren Arita and Yuya Yumura. Do you want to do predictions for all the matches or just the big matches? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's we we can talk about it. It's no big deal. All right. Um, so, I mean, um, th- these shows are taking place from Hakido. Um in Sapporo, um, and they are stacked. They look pretty good. So who you got with uh, Narita and Yumura? So, yep, and man, we haven't done a prediction show in a long time. Well, since Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> but um, it seemed like at one point in the year we just kept, like, not having time to do prediction shows. So, like, this... This is like old school, <laughs> but um, obviously I'm gonna I'm gonna take Ren Narita just because he's the senior there. That's obviously what's gonna happen. But uh, I am excited to see Narita and Yumura kind of mix it up. So that that should be pretty good. Yeah, I'm also going for uh, Ren Narita. Obviously, he's the most uh, s- uh, senior young lion in this match here. Um, Yumura hasn't really picked up uh, many victories in his um, tag team or one on one action. So, yep, definitely so- think Narita's going here. I'm, I'm taking Young Boy by Boston Crab. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so next up, we have Toa Hanare and Manabu Nakanishi. Again, Shota Umino and Ayato Yoshida. You've got to figure that Toa Hanare is due to pick up a victory here. Um, he's one of the guys that, like they say, he is just a notch above the Young Lions. Uh, Nakanishi could pick up the win. He could torture rack somebody. But um, I'm going to say Hanare <laughs> picks up the win probably over... Umino, I would assume. Yeah, I'm going with uh, Toa and Nakanishi. Also, clearly they are, you know, both of those guys are not young boys, young lions. And Toa Hanare is just a, he mentioned, just a step above those guys. So I'm, I'm expecting a Toa bottom here for the win. Uh, third match of the night, we've got Tiger Mask and Hiroyoshi Tenzan taking on Taka Michinoku and Takashi Isaka. Isaka, I thought he was done. Well, his retirement is uh, is coming up soon. I thought it was. I thought I thought I skipped it, and it already happened. <laughs> nah. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna <clears throat> probably guess that. I don't know. I just have a. Who who do you got in this match? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with Tiger Mask and Tenzon. I feel like it's uh, usually takes the L in these matches, so I I can see Tenzon uh, pinning uh, Iska. Yeah, that seems to be the right way to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say the same thing. Tenzan should probably pick up a victory over, like, Mitch and Taka or something like that. So then we have a uh, 10-man tag here with 
Ryusuke Taguchi, Yoshihashi, Tokyo Mahanma, Toriano, and Togo Makibe against the Bull Club team of Taiji Ishimori, Chase Owens, Yujiro Takahashi, Tangaloa, and Tama Tonga. Um, that's a tough one. I'm actually going to go with the Sekigun team. Um, just because I feel like when when the big matches come up, I, I think Bull, OG Bull Club's going to be standing tall. Mm-hmm. So in this match, I'm going to say, you know, the Sekigun team probably most likely. I'm going to go with the uh, Bullet Club team here, especially if um, Taguchi's winning those six-man belts the night before. I feel like they'll try and get some heat back for um, Taiji Ishimori's team. And if you look at that Fantastic Mania tour, um, the Bullet Club team dominated Taguchi's team all the time. So I think that um, You're right, they did. Um, the Bullet Club team's going to get the win here. You're right, they did. That's true. Uh, fifth match of the night with the 30-minute time limit. We got a special six-man tag team match. Shingo Takagi, Bushi, and Tetsuya Naito taking on Desperado, Kanemaru, and Taichi. I think we're going to get tired of these Suki Gun LIJ matches. <laughs> yeah, real quick. Um, I, I'm going to take Suzuki Goon here. Mm. Uh, I think I'm going to go LIJ here um, just to build up, you know, people thinking that Naito, um, you know, is going to be going in strong to the IC title match and kind of making you think that Taichi is not going to win. Yeah, I just, uh, I think that the challengers are going to cheat and get some heat on them going into the title matches so that it makes more sense to me for them to you know to cheat and basically get heat on them mm-hmm. sort of thing so uh we have a spe- oh ooh, i keep forgetting about these matches so six match of the night special singles match Seiya Sonata taking on Minoru Suzuki. That looks awesome. Dude, this should be fire i mean you got the high flying um athleticism of Sonata against the Strong style, shoot style, pancrase MMA style of Minoru Suzuki. The sadistic uh, style. Yes. What, what would Minoru Suzuki's, like, uh, what would his name be, like, if he came to WWE? You know how they have to give everybody, like, a nickname, like, um, the Austrian Anomaly. <laughs> I don't even know, because his, his initials don't, like, have anything to do with, like, Japan or at all. Um, He's sadistic. Sus. <laughs> So it's a sadistic striker, Suzuki. Yeah, <laughs> sadistic striker. My God. Oh, man. So, yeah, uh, Sonata and Suzuki. I got to go Suzuki, right? Oh, man. You know what? I'm going. And the, Okay, so since we're on the subject, we should probably also bring up that the match after that is also a special singles match between King of Darkness Evil and Submission Master... Zack Sabre Jr. And that's a match that we've been waiting for and that's been building up since, like, before King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah, and, you know, the story there is, you know, Evil can't beat Zack Sabre Jr. In any in any scenario. Right, and they were supposed to have that one-on-one match, but uh, Evil got jump-zoned by Jericho. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go Sonata upsetting Suzuki, and then I'm going to go... With Saber once again beating Evil, I think Suzuki and Zack Saber are gonna sweep them. Ooh, yeah, and I think that's gonna create a lot of doubt going into the title matches. Um, yeah, I think Zack Saber is going to beat Evil. I think Suzuki is gonna gotch Pile Drive Sonata. 
I think that both of these matches are exciting. I don't know, you know, if you would ask me a year ago, would I be excited for an evil Zack Sabre match? And I would have said, heck no. <laughs> Nothing about that sounds exciting to me. But after all the Taggart interactions, and then I was excited for that match they were supposed to have at King of Pro Wrestling. It never happened. Now I'm like, oh, they're, they're finally paying it off. Like, long-term story, you know, telling. So... Uh, yeah, I am excited for it, but I think Zack Sabre's got Evil's number, and I think Suzuki is going to brutalize Sonata. I think that, to me, the story is going to be that Sonata and Evil are stronger together than they, they are. They are separate. Yep. Hmm. Th- than just the, the, you know, the sum of their parts alone. So, yeah, I think Suzuki Goon is going to be having a... If, if everything happens the way I'm saying it's going to happen, where they win the six-man tag and then these... Uh, Singles matches, like, yeah, they're going to be standing tall that night. And then the uh, main event of the evening is the Mega Aces. Finally, the big tag match. The Mega Aces, Kazuchika Okada and Hiroshi Tanahashi against Bad Luck Fale and Switchblade Jay White. Yeah, I think that that is the match that you predicted oh, quite a while back, right? Yeah, and uh, I'm going to go um, with the Mega Aces here. There's nobody holding them back. There's no Taguchi, no Kishida, no Yoshihashi, no, none of those guys. It's just Okada. It's just Tanahashi. I think the Mega Aces are going to rise, and I can see um, Bad Luck Fale eating a Rainmaker, followed by a High Fly Flow, getting that man out of there. Mega Aces riding high. Yeah, it seems like I'm going to go with the Mega Aces as well, because it does seem like... That's why Fale is there. But there's this all, also this other scared part of me where I'm like, Jay White's going to win again. <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, that's that that should be a, a really good main event that uh, that first night. And then we've got New Beginning in Sapporo, February 3rd. Yeah, so the first matchup, we got Toa Hanare against Yota Suji. Ooh. Strong style match right here, baby. Bro. Remember how good their interactions were in those six-man tags? When was that? I don't uh, even remember. I forget now, but yeah, it was fire. And Last year, they were they were in a couple really, really good six-man tag matches. And Hanari and Suji, I was like, yes, sign me up for that because that was awesome. And now we're finally getting it. I didn't even know. Like, I'm so excited. Yeah, this could low-key be a strong-style match of the year candidate for 2019. I'm taking Suji. Really? No. <laughs> But uh, yeah. Suji might have more star potential than Hanare long term. Yeah, but as as of right now, Suji's still a young boy, so I'm going Toa Hanare with the Toa bottom. Maybe we'll, he'll push out a Toa's elbow. Maybe I yeah <laughs> yeah the people yeah the Toa eyebrow yeah yeah um, so that's gonna be great. That should be a really good opener. And then match number two, we got Tiger Mask and uh, Manabu Nakanishi. Uh, taking on Ayota Yoshida and Shota Umino. Uh, I'm going vets here. Yeah, that New Japan dads. Yeah, that makes the most sense. Clearly, you know, obviously, young young lines are not going to get a win on these guys. So I'm also going Tiger Mask and Nakanishi. Match number three: Taka Michinoku teaming up with uh, Takashi Isaka to take on Hiro Hiroyoshi Tenzan and Ren Narita. They got a young lion on their team. He's 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 eating the Iron Claw and going to sleep. One, yeah, two, yeah. Suzuki Goon's going all the way on that one. Then we have an eight-man tag, Taguchi, Hunma, Yano, and Makabe against the Bullet Club team of Taiji Ishimori, Yujiro Takahashi, and G.O.D. Uh, I'm going Bullet Club. Yeah, I'm going to go Bullet Club also. I think um, 
I don't think the Gucci will get pinned. Uh, maybe Hanma. And then uh, the fifth match of the night, Yoshihashi, Kazushika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, take, Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Chase Owens, Bad Luck Fale, and Jay White. Uh, I've got to figure, I mean, you've got two pin eaters there in Chase Owens and Yoshihashi, so um, how are we looking with that? I'm going to go with Bullet Club on this one, especially if my prediction is right about the Mega Aces. I feel like they'll want to get Jay White some heat back, um, and we'll go with Jay White pinning Yoshihashi. Yeah, I agree. And then, um, yeah, that's fine. So then on the the top three matches of the night, we've got three title matches back-to-back. So we've got the IWGP Junior Tag Team Champions Shingo Takagi and Bushi defending their titles against the former champions El Desperado and Yoshinabu Kanemaru. Yeah, big junior title match here. I'm going to go with Shingo and Bushi retaining. Just based off what we saw at Fantastica Mania, Sho and Yo um, got the win over these guys. So I see them winning and then going into LIJ versus Pungi 3K for the next title program. I will also agree with you. There's a big part of me, a big part of me that wants to say Desperado and Kanemaru are going to regain the titles. Um, and that, that seem, would seem to make sense. It does seem like we're in this never-ending three-way dance between these two teams and uh, Rapongi 3K. Yeah. And I am kind of sick of it, to be honest with you. But they've been building up the Shingo Takagi and Sho feud for such a long time. They gave those guys a win as uh, Fujin and Raijin during the Fantastic Mania Tour. So it does seem that LIJ is destined to defend those titles against Rapongi 3K. If they go the opposite way, I really won't be surprised, but I'm going to predict the same thing as you. Um, uh, LIJ picking up the IWGP win here for the junior tags. Next, we have the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship match. We have LIJ, Sonata, and Evil defending their uh, titles against the RevPro Tag Champions, Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki. This should be excellent. Um... And keep in mind, it will be the IWGP Tag Team Champions defending against the RevPro Tag Team Champions. I hope, I kind of hope Suzuki and Zack Sabre come out with those belts on as well. Yeah. Um, so, champion versus champion match here. But um, I got to tell you, I'm going with LIJ again. Um, only for this reason. They could definitely put the tag titles on Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre, and that would be all well and fine and good. Mm -hmm. But I think that those guys are such high-level caliber stars that if you do put a tag title on them, I don't see them having a long, dominant tag title run just because I don't know if New Japan wants to keep them tied up in the tag title scene long-term. Right. Um, Sonata and Evil do seem to be like the, you know premier team in this division and they do have a list of challengers that they could go through after this so i wouldn't be surprised and this is going to be my prediction i think evil it's going to pin saber is going to beat zach saber that's, Jr. that's exactly what i'm thinking also i'm going lij everything is evil sto on saber he crumbles he gets the big win lij uh vanquishes suzuki goon evil finally beats saber and they move on. And I don't know if this is going to happen. 
I'm not saying I think it's going to happen, but for all of the Suzuki Goon, you know, fanboys out there who are clamoring for more Zack Sabre and Minoru Suzuki, we saw how great their match was during the World Tag League, you know, on opposite ends and everyone clamoring for a Sabre Goon and a split. You could do a split right here or at least start planting the seeds for it and teasing something especially, right, especially if Sabres want to get pinned Suzuki's like bro what the heck man like you, you cost us a match yeah weakness in the ranks mm-hmm. that sort of thing or however they wanted to do it you know what I mean yeah. there could be miscommunication I'm not saying they're going to do that I don't anticipate it but I wouldn't be surprised especially for all the people that think that that is going to be we've, we've said why we don't think it's going to happen but for everyone who thinks that there's going to be a Suzuki Goon split or rift or whatever, this is a way you could get there. If you were gonna do it, this is probably the time to start thinking about doing something like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think that that's a good story to have Evil finally, finally beat finally. Zack Sabre. And The Rock means finally. <laughs> what's, up? what's up with you and The Rock today? I don't know. Well, Toa has got me on it. You know, the Toa bottom me, you know, so. But I think, uh, I think Evil probably gets beat again by Zack Sabre come, you know, New Japan Cup, G1, whatever. Yeah. So, you know, Zack Sabre's going to get that win back, but this is, this is going to be Evil's moment. Then the main event of the evening, we got the IWGP Intercontinental Championship match. Tetsuya Naito taking on the challenger, Taichi. Hopefully with Miyoabe. She's got to be there. It's a title match. (laughs) And we know how happy when Miho gets if Taichi wins the title. Do we? Yeah, when when he won the Never title. She was... Yeah, she's she, pretty she happy. was crying and t- joy, tears of joy that her man won the belt. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to say anything. What do you think? I, I haven't really. You know what? As much thought as we put into this, I haven't been like. I haven't come to a definitive answer about this. Have you? Well, I hadn't before, but we're on the air. We're recording live. Um, I, we got to give our our answer. I'm gonna throw it out there, man. I'm going to go with a new IWGP Intercontinental Champion. Tai Chi will become our new Intercontinental Champion, our new IC champ. Um, so we've thrown out all the scenarios. I think that the only way it makes sense to me, and I'm not, you know, I'm not Gato. I'm not booking two years mm-hmm. in advance. I mean, I look at things in such a short-term stance, but the only way it makes sense to me for Naito to lose this belt right now, realistically, is if you want to turn around and elevate him in, say, the New Japan Cup. Even if he didn't win it. Even if he just went to a final. Yeah. Um, but it would make sense, you know, have him win and then have him go to MSG. I've been thinking a lot about it, though, and I feel like, I just feel like he's going to be involved. I feel like he wins the title, most likely, at Wrestle Kingdom. I feel like they could go... I'm very torn, obviously, you could tell. Like, I'm struggling yeah, with saying yeah. this. I think it makes all the sense in the world why Taichi could win this. I think everyone who's discounting Taichi is crazy. I think that the there's tea leaves on the... You know, that you can read that show you that it makes a lot of sense to go Taichi. But at the end of the day, this is a year-long storyline. I think they need to put to rest the whole LIJ Suzuki Goon beef. I really don't. I can't bring myself to 
go against Naito after he just won in the Dome, I know that I'm probably going to kick my... If Taichi wins this, I'm going to kick <laughs> myself because I've, I've reasoned so many times on the air why Naito could lose to Taichi and why mm. it would make sense. But at the same time, they got a lot of time to get this icy belt off of Naito. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe this is not where you do it. Maybe what because I think the other tag teams are winning, I think you have... LIJ clean sweep. LIJ clean sweep. They do the roll call. Everyone is in the ring together. And then maybe, just maybe, Hiromu comes out. Dude, that would be amazing. Special moment, right? Yes. So that's kind of what I'm thinking. Um, and you don't get that if Taichi wins. Mm-hmm. That kind of ruins everything. So that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. You get all six members for the first time ever at the same time. Hands raised. Everyone's there. I'm going Tetsuya Naito. If he loses, I get it. I've said it a million times. And, why? And if Taichi loses, I get it. So, but I don't know. I just I'm I'm just feeling it. I'm I don't know. I'm getting the feeling that Taichi's gonna win it. I wish that we had like odds makers the way that WWE has odds makers, so you can kind of like get a, a feel or a vibe. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, I gotta go Naito in this case. I Naito's got time to drop the belt. I think they can do something fun and creative and, and elevate somebody. I I just. Taichi could be that guy, but I don't know if, if he is. You know, yeah. my main thing is everyone who's saying for sure, oh Naito's gonna for sure be Taichi. It doesn't wh- people that were complaining about this, bro. This card looks awesome. Everyone who was complaining about New Year's Dash and everything like that, like I'm sure we're gonna get tired of these Lij Suzuki good matches, but these title matches, these title programs are actually looking awesome, and I bet you the build's gonna be really good, and then we can finally get past this and move past LIJ and Suzuki Goon. It's been a whole year and we're going to finally put it to bed. Like, this is where it ends. Yeah. So, and I think because it's going to end there, that's the other reason I think Taichi's losing. Mm. Yeah. Like I said, I can see it going either way. So we just have to watch and see what happens. Uh, these cards are this weekend, um, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, that is our preview and predictions for the new beginning in uh, Sapporo. We'll come back next week with a review um, Before we move on, do you have any feelings about the fact that there's no Kenny, there's no Bucks, there's no Marty, there's no Elite? Like how? Like what do you think? Um, you know, it's it's my feelings are not not too strong against it, just because last year the, those Elite guys w- would miss some tours. So in my mind, it's just like, oh, the Elite's not on this tour. That's it. Like I'm not even thinking it, that they're gone. <laughs> it's like the whole ha- la- like second half of the year. This is they were phasing them out. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean. Like yeah. they really were, and now they're gone. And um, I don't know. Like is this good? Is this like a renaissance, or are we going into the dark ages? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess we'll find out. See. No, I'm just playing. That, <laughs> yeah. I, just, I just say like there are people who probably feel like that. For yeah. Real. No, I think that. Um, the only thing is, I will say this though, is like w- there's some interesting matches, but it does feel like we don't nece- I don't think we necessarily need two nights of Sapporo. Yeah. They could have done one card. I understand why they're doing it for business yeah. reasons, but it's not like what's at the top of night one is night two is clearly the better night, like yeah. by far. Yeah. Um and it it Night two just feels like a bigger road to, or I'm sorry, night one feels like a bigger road to show, and mm-hmm. night two feels like the actual show. Yeah, that's my only criticism I have here, really, about this stuff. Like Okada and Tanahashi against Jay White and Bad Luck Folly feels like a road to match, not 
I mean, I guess it's good that they're giving him the attention of it being a new beginning show, but remember when they did they did they gave us a lot of shows like that last year where like how many people remember that double headliner between you know Kenny and uh, Hangman and Cody and Kota Bushi? Like, yeah, that's you forget about it. You remember like the next night when it was like. You know, Okada and Tanahashi. That's what you remember. Right, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of them giving us, like, mediocre cards when they could just give us a, a big one, show. One, yeah. Just do one big super card. Yep. But, yeah, so that's going to wrap up for our preview and prediction. Now we're going to go into questions. All right, so uh, Reddit user Senior Sombrero 3 k says, Question out of interest. Why are so many shows held in Cork and Hall? I'm assuming there is a cost reason t- uh, to this rather than a lack of suitable halls elsewhere in Japan. Um, well, I don't have the specific answer to that, but I will say this. Uh, cork and Hall. Cork and Hall. <laughs> I'm appalled. <laughs> uh, cork and Hall is kind of like, it's the mecca for combat sports in Japan. Um, of course, it's not the largest venue. Uh, by any means, but anybody who's anybody who competes in any sort of combat sport, it's their dream to compete in Cork and Hall. Whether it's sumo, whether it's kickboxing, whether it's boxing, whether it's MMA, like or pro wrestling, doesn't matter. Like that is a highly, highly like how do I put it? Like literally every single day usually multiple times a day, there is some sort of wrestling or fight promotion putting on an event there in Tokyo. Right. There's a the special aura to the building. It's like you want, you know how like North American wrestlers are like, I want to wrestle at MSG. Like you yeah. want to wrestle in Cork and Hall. Yeah. The other thing with it too is Cork and Hall has an amazing setup for, um, for television. So that's one of the other reasons that they frequent it. Well, part of it is like a new Japan is based out of Tokyo so they have a, a long-standing relationship with, you know, the curators of the Tokyo Dome, which, keep in mind, Cork and Hall is connected and attached to the Tokyo Dome. They're owned and operated by the same people. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do for television. Yeah. Um, the fact that it has an incredible setup for television, it's very easy and cost-effective for them to do a full production-scale show there. Uh, as opposed to if you watch any of these other road to shows when they go to like Sheba or these gymnasiums, um, usually the setups are not as conducive to producing television, whether that be, you know, the equipment or the uh, visuals or, you know, just the, the setup, um, the acoustics, whatever it may be. A lot of these similar sized halls are not going to produce as much television. Everything they do on Samurai TV is pretty much done in Corkin. Um, for them to have a similar – if you notice, the good television production level shows that New Japan does outside of Cork and Hall are all in the big arenas. You yeah. Know? They're not in the similar sized uh, buildings. Yeah. So that that's one reason. I will say this though. I think that they are running Cork and Hall too much um, and that's just my – You feel opinion. like it's overkill? Yeah. And I mean they're not the only ones doing it. But they – the one thing though is that they – from – from like the reports I've read and what people have said, they pretty much sell out almost universally all year long. Right. So it's not like the, uh, you know, the demand is gone, 
but you can kill a building by running it too much. And I mean, they're running it multiple times every single month all year long. I mean, they ran it like 50 or 60 something times last year. Yeah. So, I mean, that does seem to be a lot. All right. Next question comes from Rambo's uh, um, underscore slam pig. What is what, next? What is that? Rambones underscore <coughs> underscore slam pig? What kind of name? <laughs> I have no idea what the what the meaning behind that is. Sounds uh, sexual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he says, uh, "What is next for Okada after the loss of Jay White at Wrestle Kingdom? Will he go into a Naito twenty eight cooling down slash holding period, or will he be back in the title picture sooner rather than later?" I think he's going to be back sooner rather than later. I think he's winning the New Japan Cup, like I said the other week. Um, I don't think he's cooling down for this reason. The Rainmaker is back. He's got shorts on, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> he, I mean... He, he's got shorts, okay? I, I see Okada in the main event of MSG. He's got blonde hair. He's got shorts. He's the Rainmaker. He got caught, but he's not slowing down anytime soon. Like, I really think that Okada is gearing up for a big run very, very shortly. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if him and Tanahashi have dissension during this tour. Oh, play the seeds for maybe, that. Maybe they don't ever. Maybe they never win a tag match together ever. Yeah, because they're not supposed to be together. Mm. Storytelling. Storytelling. That's <laughs> yeah. People say there's no story. I like my wrestling with storytelling. Yeah. Well, here's real stories. Yeah. Uh, Muzza underscore forty four. Who do you see being IWGP Heavyweight Champion first, Sonata or Evil? Uh, personally, I think um, out of those two, I think Evil would win the title first. I feel like um, the New Japan offices are, are a little bit more behind Evil than they are Sonata. They like Evil. A lot. Yeah. Yeah, every year we, we always say, like, Sonata's so underrated, he's such a talented mm-hmm. guy, you know, everything like that. When are they going to push this guy? When's he going to break through? And and year after year, he's he's an excellent talent. But it does seem that for whatever reason, he's kind of missing something. Whereas uh, I'm not. I don't like Evil that much. I like Sonata way better. I, and and to answer your question, I'm gonna say Sonata. I'm gonna say Sonata because I think he he's got more upside. But with that being the case, Jeremy's probably not wrong. Evil is a dojo guy as opposed to Sonata being an outsider. You know, being trained by Great Muda. He didn't come from the dojo. Uh, Evil has a character and a gimmick that they just really seem to love. They Like, he seems to have the company behind him. Yeah. And, you know, that man already thinks he's the rock with his promos, the way he smells the air and his... He is a more compelling, like, promo and backstage. Like, Sonata doesn't say anything. Right. And so you got to wonder, like, what can you do with that? Like, he would need to evolve and change his character somewhat to be able to be that guy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Sonata, but i got to be honest with you, I don't know that either of them ever hold the IWGP title. True, yeah. I really don't anticipate... If, if you want my honest answer, yeah, I'll say Sonata first, but I don't think either of them are touching that gold. Yeah, like I'll say, I think the plan is for them is to kind of be that top Japanese tag team. And so I, I they, think, they they might not. I think top singles runs will happen. I think title challenge will happen for mm-hmm. them. I think the IC title is like the top barometer. Now, could they pass that? Yeah, but I don't see them. 
I think LIJ fans are probably losing their mind right now. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mm-hmm. But I mean, I I don't see them in the same caliber as I see a Hiromu or a Shingo. Yeah. I, I I think Shingo's got a better <clears throat> chance at holding already. I think Shingo's got a better chance at holding the IWGP title wow. than either of them do. Well, uh, I think Hiromu's got a better chance at holding the IWGP title than either of them do. Hmm. Yep. That wow. Yep. Hot take right there. Yep. But uh, speaking of Shingo, next question comes from Reddit user Mookie fifteen fifteen. Do you guys see Shingo going heavyweight this year or even going after the never open weight title? I can see him moving up after Hiromi returns, but the juniors definitely need bodies more than the heavies right now. You're right. Yep, you hit it right on the head. I think that he will go where he is needed. I would love to see him square. I mean, there's endless possibilities of compelling matchups for Shingo, and I think a G1 is definitely in the future, whether it's this year or the next. But they need to rebuild that junior division. I think they brought him in to basically base it around him for the time being. Yeah. So I don't see him going up until either, like you said, Hiromu comes back. I could see him and Hiromu like facing off in a... Best of the Super Juniors? Like a final. Mm-hmm. Man, that's... that's you, a- you have Shingo run the A block, Hiromu run the B block, and they meet in the finals. If you want to sell out that sumo hall, that's one thing you definitely could do. Yeah. That would sell. That would put butts in seats, you know what yeah. I'm saying? But, um, yeah, I don't – for whatever reason, guys that go to Never, they say it's an open weight title. But really the truth is if you go to Never and you actually win, you're probably going to heavyweight. Mm-hmm. It's not an actual open weight title. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think he's going to be a junior as long as they need him. And then when the time comes, they can move him up. Whether that's this year or next, I don't – I couldn't say. But, I mean, I can't see him st- – I don't think he's going to stay at junior for a long oh, time. Oh, no, yeah. No. no yeah. Definitely uh, sooner rather than later. I think he's going to headline that Sumo Hall show at least this year. But yeah. I think I don't think we see him go to heavyweight until at least probably next year most likely. So the next question comes from the Yaz Man. He said, what's the ceiling for Osprey and NJPW if he goes up to heavyweight? Could he be where Omega is now? Not with the company and getting ready to sign with AEW. Yeah, could... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can definitely see him doing that. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I don't. I mean, what what are your thoughts on Osprey? I mean, um, I definitely think he has a high ceiling um, in the heavyweight division. Um, he's such a dynamic performer, and you know, they definitely if the Western expansion is uh, going to continue, they need to establish more guys in. Um, talent as top star, especially with Omega more than likely on his way out. Um, I don't know if he will reach the popularity of an Omega. Um, I, I don't know if Osprey could, could win the IWGP title. I don't know. Osprey's always doing crazy. First off, me and Osprey got heat just in general. <laughs> That's a personal story. But I'm not the only person that says stuff like that about, like, I, I, here's what I will say. Um, I've only ever, and we interact with wrestlers all the time, I've only ever had one, what I would call truly bad experience with a wrestler, and it was Will Ospreay. Yeah. And it was, like, I couldn't believe it. I was actually kind of taken back, and then uh, a few days ago, I was, like, on this thread, uh, it was on Reddit, and someone's like, name one person that you've had a bad experience with, like, that was a pro wrestler. And, dude, I saw, like, 30 people put Will Ospreay. And they all had different stories. And I was like, ooh. And you see – and, like, he's gotten, like, 
heat for like the GoFundMe page with his mom. Mom, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's right now. He's got heat for like calling out that female wrestler. Did you see all that? It's all over Twitter. No, I missed that. Yeah, it's all over Twitter. It's like I don't know. The, I don't want to speculate and say what the whole story is, but he had come out and basically said that. There was a female wrestler. She was wrestling in Japan, and she had to go home because there was a death either in her like oh uh, Sadie Gibbs, Sa- yeah Sadie Gibbs. He, he he was calling out Sadie Gibbs and saying stuff about how like he told her before she came to Japan that she couldn't cut it or something like that, and like he like they were just going back and forth. But like he was coming off looking really, really. I was like, dude, this is stuff you should be saying like privately. Like like he he every time he rebuttaled, he kept looking. Even if he was right, he kept looking worse and worse. And I'm like. Yeah, that's some Kenny Omega stuff right there. (laughs) (laughs) But um, getting away from the personal stuff, I mean, I used to think that he never had a shot at being a heavyweight just because I didn't see him as a character being that sort of guy. I saw him as this plucky – I mean, he's the guy who couldn't beat, you know, Marty Skrull. Like, that that was his deal. He's put on some weight. He's gotten a new attitude. He's got a chip on his shoulder, and he is one of the top performers in all of the world. Uh, you know, probably top ten, top five. So as far as talent goes, absolutely, like the ceiling is at the very top. He could be a world champion in almost any company, hypothetically, if they got behind him. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if he has like the ability to get a fan base behind him, like you said, the way that Kenny does. Right. I don't know if he has the charisma. He has all the athleticism in the world. Mm-hmm. I'm excited that New Japan is deciding to do with him what they never did with Ricochet, which was a mistake. Because look at what WWE is doing now. Yeah. They should have done with Will Ospreay what they're doing with Ricochet. So I'm glad that they're giving him a chance and they're moving him up. But I just wonder, like, so far in this heavyweight run, he's been nothing but impressive. So it'd be foolish for me to say no. But I just don't know if he can develop... So far, he's he's been doing everything he needs to do is what I'm saying. Yeah. He, he's been passing every test, but I don't know if he can continue to pass every test. Um, my feeling is no. I don't see him being an IWGP heavyweight champion, but he could, you know, he could prove me wrong. Yeah. Easily. Uh, I just – do you see him having enough for them to push him at the top? I don't know, man. I just – part of me part of me just feels like I don't think he'll ever be – IWGP heavyweight champion. I feel like almost like Sonata, like the IC title was kind of kind of the highest he can pro- will probably go. But like I said, I mean, he can prove us wrong. I'm worried that his body's <clears throat> just going to break down before we ever find out these answers. To be honest with you, yeah, that is that is a genuine concern with the style he wrestles and everything like that, and some of the other things I'm noticing. I'm just worried that his body is going to break down. I just I don't know if he has the character for it. That's my main thing. Is yeah. I don't know if now if he, they could, but I feel like for them to push a Gaijin at the top of the card, and maybe this is just old school mentality and thinking. I think they got to turn him heel, and then maybe if he had the right like coat of paint on. I, it sounds so crazy because it's not like there's something wrong with him. I just don't know if he has a compelling enough character right now mm-hmm. for them to actually push him. Up there, yeah. Unless they just want to have him always chasing, always chasing. But yeah, um, you know, factions are a big deal in New Japan, and it's like if you're gonna be at the top, you probably need to be at the top of a faction. How's that gonna happen? Maybe if he 
maybe if he turned heel and started his own faction, started his own thing, that maybe this could happen. But I just don't know enough yet. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my feelings on Osprey at the moment. So next question comes from Gentlemanly Dragon. He says, "Hey dudes, it's amazing to see the podcast still growing each week." My question comes from a comment a friend made while we were watching wrestling. He said, "Any move looks better if it's done sit out style." What would you say to this? It's obviously not the case with the Rainmaker, as we saw back when Okada returned from excursion. But I can see that being the case with power bombs and some throws. What do you think? Uh, you know, I, I think it just it, it depends on what the what the move is. You know, like we mentioned, the Rainmaker obviously that doesn't look good sit out. Um, and I think it depends on the wrestler doing the move too, because I've seen some sit out power bombs that look kind of weak, and then I've seen some sit out power bombs that look Nasty and devastating. Yeah, like Roman Reigns has an incredible sit-out power bomb. That Razor's Edge. Oh, the Splash Mountain bomb. Yeah, that's that's the one that Conan used to do, and I yeah. love that move, and I think it's it's excellent. Um, but you know, I when I'm sitting here thinking about it, and I've never had the thought that a, a sit-out is always better. I mean, think about like how are you going to do a sit-out with all the people that? Okay, hear me out. Think about all those All Japan 90s matches and all those people getting dropped on their domes. How are you going to do that sitting out? How are you going to give CTE to somebody <laughs> uh, if, you're, if you're sitting out all the time? you gotta, you got to toss a bitch and let them fall on their neck. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, my gosh. You know, you can't do a sit-out gonzo bomb. Can't right. do a, you can't do a sit-out, uh, like a sit-out, like... Uh, you can do a sit-out Death Valley Driver or sit-out Burning Hammer. A sit-out burning hammer? Yeah. I mean, uh, Bianca Belair does something similar to that right now. Kind of, yeah. And then, but then, uh, it, you know, like, you know what move I love is the Steiner screwdriver? Mm, yeah. But that's like a pile driver. Yeah. I don't, I, I've never thought about this. I don't think that that is a hard and fast rule, and I don't know that I've ever even, uh, there's nothing that resonates in me that, when I think about it, like, you know what, they're right. Yeah. A sit-out version is always better. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't feel like that. Yeah, I'm not 100% on that, but like I said, I think it depends on the move, it depends on the wrestler, and depends on who they're doing it on, what it what it's going to look like. He's right, though. That sit-out Rainmaker sucked. Did you ever see that? Yeah. Yeah, when he first he, he it. He did it, too, recently. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, he did that to Yoshihashi. Yeah. What was that, during the G1? I think so, yeah. 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 Uh, next question comes from uh, ablue 3 he says, who outside of NJPW would you bring into NJPW, not in WWE? Oh, because I was going to say Samoa Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we kind of talked about this did, last week. Did we? Uh, um, I yeah. don't even remember. We, we talked about uh, Daisuke Sakamoto oh, yeah, um, I love being, being one of the main guys we would bring in. Well, it's tough because everybody that I want to bring in is actually like signed to WWE now because they're literally signed up like everybody. Mm -hmm. So... But with that being said, I think we simple answer: Who outside of New Japan, not in WWE, would you bring in? Uh, I think we'll stick with my answer with Daisuke. That's who you want, right? Yeah. In? You know, my like my easy answer would have been Walter, but he signed up. Yeah. Like, who do I say? I want to bring in Matt Riddle. I want to bring in Pete Dunne. Like, oh. Uh, what about Pac? All right, my easy answer is <laughs> but no, But yeah. he's signing AD, I guess he's kind of AEW, uh, I don't know. Kenny Omega. 
<laughs> Don't oh. go, Kenny. <laughs> oh my gosh. Cody. My easy answer is Cody. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah. No, yeah, Pac would be a Pac would be a great guy to bring in. Um, so yeah, outside of New Japan, that's not here. That that would make a lot of sense. So yeah, I'll yeah. say I'll say Pac. No, no, no. I want Kento. I want Kento Miyahara. That's who I want. That's my answer. Yeah, can't, can't argue with that one. Um, next question comes from Reddit user. Why did you do that, bro? If you could have one guy from All Japan or Noah in the G1, who would it be? Kento Miyahara. He's uh, Noah, right? He's from All Japan. He's All Japan? Um, yeah, I'm not really familiar with a lot of All Japan or Noah guys, so I, w- I would rely on your expertise on that one. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of guys in Noah mm-hmm. that are like tearing it up right now. I mean, uh, Takashi Zagura is over there. Uh, Kiyomiya, who's like the new champion, the young kid. Kino is great. Uh, Nakajima's great. Uh, they got uh, Marafuji's over there, obviously. Yeah, Marafuji I'm familiar with. And Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I know you're familiar with Marafuji. In all Japan, I mean, they've got Zeus, the bodyguard. Uh, Kento Miyahara, who I freaking love. Um, you know, Joe Doring's over there. Uh Daisuke Sakamoto wrestles for them pretty regularly. Uh, Shuji Ishikawa. Um, there's all sorts of guys. So yeah, I mean, both both companies are like doing well right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I want Kento Miyahara in a G1 like bat so badly. So badly. The thing is, is he's such a star <coughs> for them that like he would have to be booked dominantly. He'd have to, he'd have to be booked very strong. Mm. Yeah. He could take losses. He doesn't have to win a block, but he probably needs to be in the finals of a block at least. He would probably need to be in, like, a A block like last year, kind of a weaker block where he can beat people, kind of. No, he could be in A block. or B. It doesn't matter, but he needs to be in the finals when it's all said and done. Yeah. Uh, next we have Reddit user CJ McLean. What's next for Ibushi now that he's still with NJPW, as far as I know, and Omega leaving to AEW? Could we see any sort of surprises at the NJPW US shows of talent not advertised or at the shows in Japan? So, um, as far as we know, Ibushi's not still with NJPW. Ibushi is not with any wrestling company. Who Ibushi is with is... Is Ibushi. No. (laughs) Omega? (laughs) Ibushi is with Kenny Omega. (laughs) That's who Ibushi's with. Ibushi, um, just just to clear up any confusion, Ibushi is what we call a freelancer. He is a guy that is who regularly appears in New Japan Pro Wrestling, but he is not signed to an exclusive contract with them. And many of the talent in New Japan is that way. Sonata's that way. Uh, Suzuki's that way. Many guys that you would, in your mind, assume are signed to contracts. It's not necessarily the case. There's a lot of freelancers in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and Ibushi is one of them. We don't know where Ibushi is going. He got stretchered off after Wrestle Kingdom, and if you notice, he hasn't been on any advertisements. We haven't seen him. We don't know what his status is, and I think that whatever Kenny ends up doing next probably will play a big role in whatever Ibushi decides next. Yeah. Um, Like you said, man, the future is so uncertain with both of these guys. I mean, it does seem like Omega is going to AEW based off of him being on being the elite still. I was waiting for him to win the Rumble. <laughs> Sources close to us were telling us he was going to win the Royal Rumble. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> I guess, you know, Vince last minute changed his mind. Yeah. 
we probably should be watching Monday Night Raw because he probably got held off. He, he came out start start off Monday Night Raw probably. Yeah, he probably came out to challenge Brock. You know, he came out to challenge Seth Rollins. Yeah, for his uh, main event spot. Yeah, actually, he probably came out to challenge Nia since they're doing intergender now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 it seems pretty, you know, certain that he's going to AEW based off him being on being the elite, his phone being lost and getting the, the countdown clock on it. Um, so he's probably going to AEW. Abushi's kind of the wild card, like we, you know, he's a freelancer, like you mentioned. But more than likely, he's probably going to stick with Omega. And so if Omega's going AEW, Ibushi's probably going AEW. I mean, regardless of what you think about, like, here, here's my thing. Golden Lovers is a hot commodity. Whether they're really together or not, or one, or whatever the case is, from a business standpoint, I'm not going to let Kenny leave and me not be able to capitalize on that business you know what i mean right i I, every everybody kind of knows that like unless abushi signs an exclusive contract with new japan he's probably not winning the iwgp title so there are probably people who are thinking to themselves like well he should just stay in new japan he'd be fine it's like yeah he'd be fine he'd be in the same role he's always been in that guy who does really good in the g1s who wins never titles but that's about it with kenny there's the whole Golden Lover merch thing. There's all these special tag matches. There's uh, a storyline that they've been building for, like, you know, the better part of half a decade that they could still pay off. Mm-hmm. And then, who knows, maybe he wants that con money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, maybe, yeah. That that might be enticing to him. Plus, he's a weird dude, guys. Like, if you don't know, Abushi is so weird. Like, this is a guy who likes to wrestle kaiju big battles and stuff like that. And, like... And fire off like fireworks, fireworks on and, and and do Russ, like yeah, Russell blow up dolls. Yeah, and he likes that sort of stuff. Like he doesn't like he he loves wrestling in New Japan, but maybe he wants to go to AEW and then freelance all over Japan doing what he did before. Like he might just want to do that. Yeah, who knows? Maybe that's what Kenny ends up doing with him. Maybe him and Kenny end up just like freelancing all over Japan while they're wrestling AEW. Yeah. I could. It sounds far fetched, but I could actually see that happening. Especially with them wanting to change wrestling and change the world, mm-hmm. and they have this other vision that's not, you know, the sports centric New Japan like vision. They might just want to go do their DDT stuff all over Japan. I'm I really wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, anything's up in the air with these guys. So next question comes from Reddit user. Oh, also, oh. Uh, to fi- to finish answering that question about uh, oh yeah about uh, surprises no. I think it's pretty clear <laughs> yeah. that there will not be any surprises, uh, you know, on the NJPW. You, you don't think Harold made a call to the elite? No, I don't. I know, I'm just joking. <laughs> the only thing I was thinking, I was like, what if Kushida could, like, come over and wrestle? Yeah. But I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so Reddit user eater underscore, eater underscore of underscore bread Given the talk of NJPW being aggressive and signing people this year, who would you most like to see make their debut with the company? And we we kind of answered that with the previous question. I mean, yeah, I think I think Pac is actually a very realistic guy to come in. Um, we don't know what it, or at least it looked that way until AEW happened. Now I'm yeah. kind of not sure, but well, if he's going to continue to follow the Joe Lanza <laughs> plan for his career, which he's followed exactly to a T so far. 
the next step in the Lanza plan is for him to be in the best of the Super Juniors. So if he wants to, you know, follow Lanza, then he's going to go to New Japan next. I don't even know if New Japan's, like, actually out there signing people. Like, they talked a big talk about it, but I haven't seen it. I mean, they got Shingo, but since then, I'm like... Who y'all signing? Like, right, yeah, like, I've heard, heard no rumors yeah, of them potentially signing anybody. Anybody, so we're kind of waiting. We're like, do, 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 do. Yeah. Like, I, when people are like, oh, they didn't, you know, try to get those visas. I'm like, they try to get those visas, but they're not trying to get that talent. <laughs> yeah. Y'all need to be signing people. You need to send some scouts to PWG or something. Like, yeah. like what are we doing here? So, yeah, I don't know. Um, then uh, next question comes from Reddit user... ZMR dash Zobakis. He says, since Kushida and ACH will be gone, uh, Takahashi's injured, Osprey is an open weight now. Do you guys think it's possible for Jushin Thunder Liger to have a more prominent role in the junior division for the time being? Do you think he still has what it takes to be a title contender? Um, n- I don't think so, to be honest with you. They made a pretty big deal about him wrestling his last. Uh, you know, best of the super juniors a couple years ago. Now that doesn't mean that it's a for sure because we've seen in the past where guys had wrestled their last tournaments. Like um, that happened a few years back with uh, Junakiyama, and then he ended up having to come back and win one of those champions carnivals. Which that's another guy too, by the way. Junakiyama's still killing it. Um, so we've seen that happen before. So could it, could they rely on Liger to come back if need be? I think it's like a last resort, to be honest with you. As far as being like a title contender, you could always, if you wanted to, you can always give him that consolation title you know, shot. They did it a few years ago with him and Kushida. But like Liger doesn't want to wrestle at that level. Right. Liger anymore. tries to like just do opening matches the most part. But I feel like if they really wanted to, they could heat Liger up and do like a big like Cork and Hall main event. I mean, they give him like one big match every year. He had the big match with Will Ospreay this year. He had the big match the year before with Kushida. He can still wrestle at like that three and a half to four star level, like when he needs to, when called upon. Um, you're not gonna get any, you know, you're not gonna get any Naoki Sano matches out of him anymore, you know, or any like. Uh, you know, El, like El Samurai matches out of him, like that. That stuff's not happening at this point. But mm-hmm. can he still go in the ring? He's like in his fifties, late fifties. Like, yeah, he's one of the best there ever was to do it. But um, he, he just doesn't want to be doing that. Like, right. you know, that's not really his. He's not trying to be in the limelight. Like, I'm sure we'll see one big singles match out of him this year with somebody. I don't right. know who. But um, I, I don't think that's the answer for the juniors this year. I think bringing in new talent, signing new guys, that's the answer. Right. Bringing in, like we mentioned before, bringing in guys from um, partner promotions, bringing in some guys from Ring of Honor, um, Rev Pro, CMLL. Uh, my answer is none of that. It's I mean, yes. Well, that's a short-term that's solution. Short term. While, you, while, you're scout, guys. while you're scouting, Use the talent available to you. Yeah. But for a long term, they need to be signing guys and getting some of these young lions on excursions and getting them back. But I think because the best super juniors is coming up in May, they need to make it a priority to sign junior talent right now. Like right now while everyone else is signing up. Because if you think about it, all all the indie talent in America basically is juniors. Almost everybody. Right. For the most part. So they need to get some of these juniors like now. 
pronto. Hey, hey Harold, call up, call up our boy Troy Hollywood. Yeah, Troy. <laughs> yeah, call up Snoop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last question here. Got it in just in time. Reddit user Jai Brian. He says, is New Japan capable of making their own elite? That is to say, a group of English-speaking wrestlers that become incredibly popular in the larger wrestling world, but also in Japan, but this time can be counted on to stay in New Japan. They did. It's called the Bullet Club. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the Bullet... That, that is literally what the Bullet Club was. They did it. And then, and then the guys that were part of that use that to parlay into their own brand and steal the idea and create their own promotion. Like, literally... Like, it's not like the elite was their brainchild. The Bullet Club was the precursor to the elite. Like, New Japan did this. Right. Um, everyone, that was, everyone that was in the Bullet Club was Western speakers that were super cool that they built this awesome brand around. Like, they did, New Japan did it first. Right. But I guess now, with the elite gone, is there a group in New Japan that could reach the popularity? Do you think the current Bullet the new Bullet Club... I think the new Bullet Club's awesome. Right, but they are awesome, but can they reach the level of popularity of the elite? I don't know. I think, like, with the elite, what you have is, like, you have a bunch of, like, besides the fact that there's a bunch of, well, if we're being honest, there's, like, three guys that specifically stand out as excellent performers, which is the elite, which is Kenny and the Bucks. But then there's the whole, like, breaking kayfabe, breaking the fourth wall kind of stuff, you know, working social media and all that. I don't know that you're ever going to have that perfect storm again. But when you're talking about, like, building a group of guys, like, the Bullet Club is their Western-speaking, cool, heel group. Like, they already have it. It's already there. They're going to keep selling Bullet Club shirts. Yeah. Like, like that's not going to stop. Like, the... People, buy, people are not going to stop buying Bullet Club shirts just because Kenny's gone or, or Cody or whatever. I am. <laughs> That's fine. I, I don't like the elite shirts that they have right now, personally. I don't think they, they look good yet. What about the AEW shirts? I'm not going to buy a shirt for a company that hasn't run a show yet. Well, I did. I know, I know you did. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Bullet Club, they're awesome, but I don't think they're going to appeal to the larger wrestler audience the way the elite has I think they will continue to be a top faction in New Japan I don't know if the whole wrestling world is going to be talking about the Bullet Club the way they used to if they keep pushing Jay White I think they will um, I mean I don't know man it's just like can they can they replicate what the elite is like no you know but do they have a group of westerners that they can count on to stay yeah, they already got it. They've yeah. always had that. They've yeah. had it for five years now. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not like it's not like Kenny. I know everyone thinks like Kenny and the Bucks and them are like this DIY like super and taking nothing away from them because they are DIY and they are they did do it on their own, but they didn't completely do it on their own. Like, there is no. AEW without the Bullet Club. Right. There's no there's no elite without the Bullet Club. There's no Kenny Omega without the Bullet Club. Like the Bullet Club is what they used to springboard and they were smart about it. They 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 were like we're going to create this subgroup in a group to get ourselves over. <laughs> yeah. But like they used a brand that was already over. If that brand hadn't been over, if Prince Devitt and AJ Styles and all those guys hadn't got that brand over and really built it up before 
Kenny tried to get it over, then you don't they don't have the success they have right now. Tony Khan's not not cutting these checks. Yeah. Like it's just not happening. Yeah. So it's like I see what you're saying, but it's like they got a group of guys that they built up that stayed that are still there. You yeah. Know? I don't know. Well, that wraps up the questions. Now we got to jump uh, into news. Um, so over the weekend, the NJB, NJPW Never Openweight Champion Will Ospreay announced on Twitter that he broke his toe while taking an arm drag in a match. Uh, despite the injury, Ospreay noted that he still plans on working his scheduled match against Pac at RevPro's High Stakes 2019, which is Friday, February 15th at York Hall in London. Oh, wow. Nice little post-Valentine's Day uh, <laughs> gift for everybody. That match. Oof. Dude, yeah. That match, man. So hopefully the, the broken toe um, doesn't hinder him too often. I know you might be thinking to yourself, a broken toe doesn't sound that serious, but it hurts like hell. I've broken my toe, um, amateur wrestling, my freshman year, and it, it throws your balance off. It It's so painful. It, it sucks. And Osprey being a guy that relies on his balance for all his high-flying maneuvers. You're wrong, bro. You're talking about shooting. This this shit's a work. <laughs> it's not the same. Oh, my gosh. If, if he was a good worker, he could work around the injury. And he'd be fine. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> nah, yeah. Uh, in other news, NJPW President Harold Mai spoke with Yahoo Japan and he was asked if New Japan would cultivate a partnership with the newly formed All Elite Wrestling. Uh, Harold Mai felt that New Japan would first have to see how AEW was going to approach their presentation of wrestling. As translated by Kakutalog, at Kakutalog, Mai said, AEW is a new organization to start from uh, for now, and I, don't, I do not know what kind of relationship we would have. I think that it is necessary to figure out what the policies that they would develop on pro wrestling are. So at this point, the public standpoint is there is no public working relationship with the AEW. Yeah. And honestly, you know, from a business side of things, I think it's a smart move from New Japan right now. Wait wait and see what All Elite Wrestling, what the distribution is going to look like, what, you know, what exactly it's going to be and stuff like that. Right. You, right now you have this good partnership with Ring of Honor. You've got the MSG show coming up. Like, why screw any of that up when you have no idea what... AEW is going to be like. Yeah, it, it, it's like this. They had a they had a trip plan with Ring of Honor, right? And this new hot thing comes around, and it's like that might still be there, but like you don't want to ruin your New York trip with your New York girlfriend, <laughs> okay? What you do is you let the New York trip play out first. Then once the trip is over. You kind of feel things out and see see where you stand, but you don't want to ruin that trip ahead of time. Right. You, the reason why you put a deposit down already, you already paid money for that. You trip. You paid your dues. You already paid your dues. The the trip the, the trip's booked. You know. Yeah. You can't blow the, the 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 New York trip. Okay. So they're gonna they're gonna spend the weekend with their New York girlfriend, and then Jacksonville will always be there. And Jacksonville will always <laughs> be there. <laughs> Oh, oh my man. gosh. And, and you know what? Who knows? Maybe the New York trip turns out really, really, really great. And they make a decision to just keep going with Ring of Honor. But on the flip side, Jacksonville, you're gonna let them you're gonna you're gonna let them simmer a little bit. You're gonna let them All right. Because by that point, 
By, by that point, Double or Nothing's going to be coming up around right. the corner. They might turn around and be like, hey, guess what we're doing in May, baby? <laughs> we're setting Kazuchika Okada to sen- Double or Nothing. <laughs> we're sending Hiroshi Tanahashi. <laughs> Tanahashi versus Omega, number two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. But um, um, also the news, um, we know Kushida, he's going to be wrapping up with New Japan this week. And he expected to sign with WWE. Earlier in the week, um, Kushida joined um, the NJPW podcast during the conversation. He shot down a report of him wanting to join the Bullet Club uh, being turned down, which was one of the reasons he left the company. As translated by NJPW announcer Chris Charlton, Kushida said, I think if you start shooting down rumors, then it just never stops, but allow me this one. People actually said I wanted to join Bullet Club and couldn't and couldn't and that's why I'm leaving. This is this isn't even slightly true. So you know we had those. That's what people were saying about Kushida. So Kushida shooting that down. I mean, what's he gonna say? Like, yeah, I wanted to be part of the Bullet Club, <laughs> but they said no, so I left. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I don't think I I don't think that that alone. Is necess like that would that would be stupid? I don't think yeah. that we were sitting. I don't. I know on this show we were not sitting here saying like, "Oh, we got the hot scoop." Here's why, like, like yeah, the, like, we, were, we were just reporting what was reported. No, like the old, like the old one eight hundred, like uh, oh the uh, like the hotlines. Yeah, someone wanted a former member of New Japan Pro <laughs> Wrestling wanted to join the Bullet Club and was turned down. Call to, us now. Call us now to find. figure out who it was. <laughs> Like uh, nah, yeah. um, but the the reality is, is like the person who was reporting that was Dave Meltzer. Um, Dave is pretty accurate when it comes to the Japan stuff. Dave's a lot less accurate. Yeah, when it comes to business stuff, he's pretty accurate. When it comes to the interpersonal things, um, he's less accurate, especially when it's not re- related to like the elite guys. Yeah, um, which should tell you something. But his main contact is Fumi. And Fumi's pretty accurate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think with this one is like, you know, basically Kushida was saying like, you know, saying I wanted to join the Bullet Club and couldn't and that's why I'm leaving. That isn't even slightly true. Well, it's like, okay. Let's say it's not. Or like, let's say it was true mm-hmm. just for argument's sake. Um Maybe he did want to join the Bullet Club. Maybe they said no. And then maybe he decided to leave for other reasons. Right. He also did mention during this whole uh, – I don't know if you caught the part where he said that. there was He, he, he addressed the fact that he said that he all the reports about him not wanting to go to heavyweight or like he was saying that there's reports of people saying that he asked to go to heavyweight, and the company said no, and that's why he was leaving. And he said that that was untrue as well. And then he said, "I had a great time wrestling, you know, wrestling in this company for, you know, I had the best time of my life." Blah blah blah. To me, I don't know if you just want my honest opinion. It sounds like someone who's trying not to burn a bridge. Yeah. Like if 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 everyone in, is coming out and saying, "Oh, this guy wanted to go to heavyweight, but they wouldn't let him, so he left." Oh, that he wanted to go in a different creative direction, and they wouldn't let him, so he left. Maybe maybe it isn't true, but at the same time, if it was true, 
you'd probably shoot it down to preserve the relationship. That's my thinking. And also, it. you shoot it down to preserve your future relationship. Cause That's w- what I'm saying. Yeah, because WWE is going to hear and be like, oh, this, might, this guy might be, oh, yeah. ha- might be hard to work with. Like... He, you know, he, he couldn't get what he wants, so he's leaving. Is he going to do that to us? Yeah, I don't think that that's something that, like, if it was true that you'd come out and say, that definitely happened. Yes, yeah. Like, I just don't see a wrestler coming out and doing Unless you're that. one of those guys that like doing those shoot promos and selling those, you know, those shoot DVDs. You do that when you have <laughs> nothing else to do. Like, I, I think the era of the shoot promos are, like, kind of gone. Yeah. Like, everyone's got podcasts now. You yeah. Know, like, there's no... And everybody has Twitter. Everybody's shooting on there all yeah, everyone's day. Everyone's shooting on Twitter, <laughs> yeah. So, I think it's interesting that he did address that or whatever, but um, I'm not going to sit here and say, Kushida definitely wanted to be the Bone Soldier. I don't know that. Right. Or, but I think the interesting thing is when he was saying that, he was like, oh, I didn't want to go to heavyweight. Come, come, come on, dude. You've been cutting promos about it for like three years. Yeah. You... You wanted to go to the open weight. Like, I think you did. Yeah. There was nothing left for you to do at junior, and they didn't say yes. So I'm not saying that we know everything. Like, we know more than Kushida about his own career. We don't. We definitely don't. But I don't know. It just sounds to me like something that a wrestler would say to... Save face. Save face, yeah. yeah. That's what it sounds like to me anyways. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe, maybe none of that happened. And maybe he just really loved WWE. He just yeah. wanted to go to WWE. We'll never know. We'll never know. Um, so a correction on a report from Kitamura from last week. Um, you know, the report was that he had signed a deal, but so he was offered a 2019 contract, even though he hasn't been cleared to return to the ring yet, but he didn't sign it yet. Um, he still wants to return to the ring. Who reported that? What, that? The correction? Yeah. Uh, uh, Dave Meltzer. Okay. From yeah. Wrestling Observer. So, I hadn't heard this. Yeah, so originally... I know why he didn't sign, though. Why? He's, he's weighing out his options. He's trying to get that con he's money. He's trying to get that con money. <laughs> Calling the young bucks. Like, you remember me? I'm that you know the, the, that huge jacked up young boy. Like, dude, they they gave Peter Avalon a million dollars. They're definitely gonna make, <laughs> they're definitely gonna give Kitamura a big payday. Yeah. They they just signed Jungle Boy. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jay White was on Talkus Jericho last week. Oh, I gotta listen to that. Talking about you know his time, um, how he got into wrestling, his time in New Japan Dojo, um, his time in Excursion Ring of Honor, developing the Switchblade character, and um, we talked about the whole Josh Barnett situation. So it was a really good interview. Uh, Kevin Kelly has started a new podcast, not affiliated with New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's called the Kevin Kelly Podcast League. And it's a five-minute podcast. His whole thing is, you know, he loves podcasts, but he feels that they're too long and just wants to give you quick, um, short bites of information. So he's doing a five-minute format, so you can check that out. It's up on uh, Apple Podcasts right now. What about when I'm at work and I need to kill, like, three hours? Well, I'm going to have to binge a lot of Kevin Kelly podcasts. You just let them load up, and then you just listen to a bunch of them. Um, free match of the week: Kushida versus Will Ospreay from Best of Super Junior Twenty Four Final. Five stars. Yes, amazing matchup. Um, and then the latest episode of The Wire is out, and it's looking at the rivalry between Naito and Taichi, and hyping up that um, Intercontinental Title match. But you know they shouldn't have booked that. <laughs> That was a mistake. And they're burying Naito. And New Japan uh, should never come back to the states. And they screwed all the fans. We should just we should just end this pot. Why are we even still Why doing are we this doing show? This? 
You notice no. The funny thing is, we don't have to talk about the western about uh, westernization anymore. <laughs> we need to be talking about Inokias. That's what we need. <laughs> yeah. How about how about we watch Royal Rumble this weekend and they got two shoot fighters at the top wearing their top top two titles? <laughs> Inokias, baby. I love it. Oh my gosh. But yeah, so that's gonna wrap things up for us here this week. Next week we'll be back with a review. Of the new beginning in Sapporo. Oh, so we gotta watch three new beginning Road to New Beginning shows this week, and the new beginning in Sapporo's. Yeah, it's gonna be hard for me because I'm traveling this weekend for work. I'm gonna be in Atlanta Friday and Saturday. Oh, really? Yeah. You're gonna be gone Friday through Saturday. Yeah, I'll be back Saturday night. All right. <laughs> this man's gonna be scheming. <laughs> uh. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, we'll be back with those reviews. Uh, make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. The show is at KI Strong Style. Also follow at Social Suplex on Facebook. We're Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. Also join us in the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group. It's Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Reddit, I am the pro black guy. Josh is keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Don't forget to check out our Pro Wrestling Tee store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. Oh, and our new shirts are so clean. Yes. They are they're freaking clean. Yeah. Yeah. So check those out. Um, I'm sure there'll be tons of sales coming up, but check those shirts out. Support your boys. Get one of those shirts. Check out all the other shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Lada and James Boyd. The Rookie and Clive Wrestling Show from Scotland. The Outsider's Edge, featuring Rance, Carl, and Kyle. Our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling. Grown Men Watch This Shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan. The Wilfred Watches Podcast. The Omega Luke Podcast. And the latest edition, All Things Elite. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and review. And one last time, since Kenny is technically still under New Japan contract. For old time's sakes, this is probably the last time we ever do this. Goodbye and And good good night. night. Bang! Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. See you next time. See you next time.